You're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. The view from our side of the cockpit door. WAPG. It's the Airline Pilot Guy. Airline Pilot Guy episode 432. Hello, you're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. The view from our side of the cockpit door. Rose Captain Jeff broadcasting live from Studio 1A at APG Headquarters in Roswell, Georgia. Today's show is recorded on the 3rd of July, 2020. Yeah, he's up in the sky. It's the airline pilot guy. Put your ride and he's flying by. With the airline pilot guy. In today's episode, a flight leaving Portugal develops serious control problems. A woman bullying me tries to book a flight in New Orleans. More news, your feedback, and in today's plane tales, the author in and other fine breaking establishments. Get all settled in, tray tables and seat backs in the upright and locked position. Electronic devices powered on. I'm Radio Roger. Flight 432 is ready for pushing. Thank you, Radio Roger. He's an Emmy Award-winning TV and radio reporter, currently at the number one all-news station in the nation, 1010 Winds. Welcome to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. It's an aviation podcast covering the latest in aviation news and answering your great feedback. I'm Captain Jeff, and I'm a captain for a major U.S. legacy carrier based in the Atlanta airport, Atlanta, Georgia. And I am joined today by my awesome co-hosts. We'll start with the first one. From her lakeside home in the Carolinas, a doctor, skydiver, marathon runner, strength training junkie, IPA connoisseur, and commercial multi-engine instrument rated pilot, Dr. Steph. Hey, Captain Jeff. It is a gorgeous day here in the Carolinas, and um, glad to be here with you guys. It's going to be a great show. Yes, and also joining us from his mobile studio. Kind of loud, isn't it? Uh, it trying to adjust the volume on it. It's not working. <laughs> it's a good tune. Why would you? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Let's just sing along, shall we? There you From go. Uh, his mobile studio in Miami, Florida. World traveler, airplane mechanic, Breitling Cognoscenti, and fitness hound, international air freight captain. It's Miami Rick. Hello, everybody. Well, we get a hold of this uh, beautiful track here. Happy to be here. Happy you're here. Looking forward to another great show. Awesome. All right. Don't carry me too far away. And also joining us from his studio in the English countryside, a professional photographer, former RAF, RAAF fighter pilot, retired captain for an international airline based in London. It's Captain Nick. Well, hello, Jeff, and hi to my wonderful friends in America. And of course, our superb listeners all over the world. All right, good to have you all, and let's get going right off the bat with the news. Stand by for news. Let's start with the first news item in our news folder. We have... 
an update on the Astana E190 at Alverca, Portugal on November 11th, 2018, severe control problems. You remember we talked about that and it was a quite a harrowing experience for the pilots and other uh, engineers that were aboard this airplane doing kind of a, a test flight after they did some major maintenance work on the airplane. And apparently the um, controls were not rigged properly and they have come out with their final report, including the probable causes of the accident. And they said that the investigation determined as most probable cause for the accident, the improper aileron cable installation on both semi wings during maintenance activities and subsequent inadequate independent inspection in the aircraft flight control systems, which resulted in a reversal operation of the aircraft aileron system and led to a loss of control in flight. Um, You'll remember they were really struggling to you know, gain and maintain control of this airplane, and we're finally able to get it on the ground. Um, I don't know what a semi wing is, though. Do you do anybody? I've never heard anybody refer to the wings as semi wings. I have neither. I was guessing it was like one wing or a portion of the wing, but yeah. no, I've not, never heard of that. That's yeah, just not yeah, both I mean, together, but neither, really yeah. pulled together. It might also just be a poor translation. I yeah, it might know. be a translation yeah. thing from yeah. the Portuguese to the uh, to English. Um, so they have some contributing factors here. Um, and the ones that I think stood out to me anyway, were, uh, weaknesses in the aircraft design, referring to the ailerons control system configuration, allowing the inverted cables installation in both PCU quadrants. I guess that's a pilot control unit. Uh, power control, it's a hydraulic, uh, hydraulic, uh, device that control that, uh, sends that, uh, hydraulic power to the control surface itself, PCU. Okay, so apparently um, they designed it so that you could improperly install these cables. And I think, Nick, you even mentioned when we were talking about this incident to begin with uh, that it should be designed such that you cannot improperly connect a uh, cable into the PCU quadrant. Yeah, for for decades, I think we've assumed that people will uh, design a control system, particularly something as vital as this, so that they can only be connected in the correct way. So the fittings just literally cannot mate if you try and connect the wrong cable to the wrong device. Now, I don't know in this aircraft whether we're talking physical steel cables or electrical cables. Does anyone Mm. know? I believe the Embraer has a fly-by-wire system. So, it, it, uh, but I, I honestly don't know. I don't. I mean, I've never flown. I've never flown an, uh, an ERJ or an Embraer jet. But uh, if it's a fly-by-wire system, I'm, I'm sure we're going to get checked above the fifty percent mark here down the road. But uh, I would imagine it has to do with uh, with electrical connections. But but, yeah, but, but at I some can. point, you got to have the actual cables moving the the actual. Uh, aileron surface itself right so maybe it was the actual physical cable going from the aileron surface to the pcu and then everything from the controls and the uh, computers are electronic to the PCU. well the 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 pcu the power control unit itself is connected to directly so there's no cable so 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 in a a fly-by-wire system you'll have yeah obviously you will have a, a, a a certain degree of um, of uh, conventional cables, depending on the design and the aircraft. Uh, but uh, on the triple seven and seven eight seven, you basically have position transducers. 
and we can start with the encabulator if you like. Uh, <laughs> the transducers the turbo at, encabulator. <laughs> at the at the at the at the at the uh, where the flight controls are, and then the the distance is translated into into control input, and then that is sent to a flight control computer, which uh, processes the pro- processes that information and sends it out to the PCU and deflects the flight control um, as 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 required. So yeah, but yeah, the, the PCU is connected to the uh, uh, flight control uh, surface, usually. Yeah, I mean, uh, I just keep reading over this. It's it, it keeps talking about the cable installation was improper. So uh-huh. I think it was actually the and it's and it's interesting because I um in in my day uh, I did uh, uh, several um, acceptance flights after uh, jets were uh, released from heavy maintenance and. Um, Obviously, one of the things we want to make sure that are that that is is correct is obviously the deflection of the of the flight control surfaces, and um, I maybe it's my 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 background as a mechanic where it's not that I don't trust whoever did the work; it's just that I'd rather see it for myself. Um, and um, obviously, on these newer newer airplanes, you have a a, a page either on ICAS or ECAM or whatever the case is um, that tells you you know, the, the, the position of the flight controls as you deflect them. But that doesn't always coincide with what the flight control surface is doing, as we see in this, in this instance, because I'm sure part of their um, uh, pre-departure uh, briefing and, and, and checks, um, I'm sure they, they, they check, uh, you know, f- uh, free and full flight control um, uh, deflection. So what I used to do is I used to, you know, while the other pilot was in the flight deck, I'd go outside and, uh, over uh you know a little you know two way radio just make sure that uh, when he pushes forward the elevator goes down and then up and then ele- ailerons left and right because you can have a proper indication of flight control deflection in the flight deck but as we see here something could go wrong and they could actually be uh operating in 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 the opposite direction which is obviously obviously makes for a very bad day so um but yeah it's uh they're very sad here I think we've got a photograph of their flight control display system, uh, Rick. It's at the bottom of uh, underneath all the text. And they, it clearly shows that the aileron is actually deflecting the wrong direction. You can see oh, the, there you go. Look at that. You can see the yoke, which is one of those wacky sort of Concorde. The uh, ram to the ram yoke. point. Yeah. Uh, and the spoilers on the right wing are going up, and the aileron's going the wrong way. <laughs> so, Oops. Oh, look at that. I, I just think. Yeah. I just think that they missed it. I think the engineers missed it. And oh, wow. more importantly, I think the pilots missed it on their pre-flight control checks because, uh, you know, everyone, uh, from doesn't matter. And it's one of the criticisms of the inquiry is that everybody involved should have had a basic understanding of how an airplane works so that someone should have gone, uh, excuse me, isn't that anyone supposed yeah, to go yeah. up? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> at, at least the real spoilers are uh, deflected in the right direction. Yeah, which, yeah. which actually <laughs> hurt the situation. <laughs> yeah, that 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 I think was the the aliens were fighting the spoilers when they were yeah. flying around. I think which would have caused a, a lot of confusion and difficulty in controlling the airplane. A I mean, huge it, amount of drag over there on that wing. Oh, absolutely! Completely yeah. displace absolutely. it to the right. Uh, everything is out up there. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that uh, that flight control check, whether it's a Cessna 152 or a you know whatever jet, is 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 crucial. Just make sure that those flight controls are being deflected the way they're supposed to be deflected. Because once you get up in the air, 
uh, you know, the hamsters can't be overwhelmed. Trying yeah, to figure I it remember, out. I remember when I was a young kid, my uh, father was said, uh, yeah, don't forget, whenever you do a flight control check, whichever direction you move the stick, the flight control should come up to meet it. So if you move your stick to the right, that aileron should come up. If you move the stick to the left, that aileron should come up. And if you pull the stick back, the elevator should come up to kind of meet the movement of the stick. As you push the stick away from you, the elevator should go down and away. So and it's such a simple thing to understand. If you, mm-hmm. Oh, man, I love sure. it. Boys that was, experience. That's, that's really good. <laughs> that is so simple. That is amazing. I never heard of that. I never thought of it yeah. that way. But uh, and look at that. I've been flying airplanes for that for, for many years. And I never heard of that. It's <laughs> nice. That's good stuff. There are a number of accidents uh, over the years where this has happened. One of my mates on uh, my old company, on Virgin, he, Captain, he uh, was a reserve a Harrier pilot for the Navy, and uh, he was doing a weekend's flying uh, for them, and he, he was also the unit test pilot, so they had an aircraft out of maintenance. He took him in this Harrier, did a conventional takeoff. The airplane performed, performed perfectly normally. When he came back at the end of the uh, mission uh, into the hover, because uh, as you slow the aircraft down, the aerodynamic controls become useless, and the stick is uh, now connected to a set of reaction controls, puffer jets that are on the nose tail and the two wing tips. And they connected the puffer jets for the wings the wrong way around. Mm. So that as he came and tried to hover the Harrier, it started to roll. And of course, he tried to put the stick the other way to counter the roll. And he just made the situation worse. And seriously, in a Harrier, you have to, the airplane is so unstable that it, within a very, very short, less than a second, it's going to be out of control. And he had to eject. Well, it was the second Harrier he had ejected from. Oh, man. <laughs> so, wow. I mean, yeah. yeah. Those that's, things are, those things new assignment up. for this guy. <laughs> yeah. 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 Maybe no more Harriers. <laughs> exactly right. And uh, a, um, a Lufthansa um, incident comes to mind where they had a, a, a similar issue here, but the the uh, the pilot was flying, um, and I'm sure someone in the chat is going to be able to uh, corroborate. Um, the pilot that was flying uh, this particular flight was able to um, recognize the issue and actually introduced um, a. So I, I forget which way the the the, the flight was the, the plane was rolling. This was on the takeoff, so the pilot was able to recognize it and actually introduce a roll in what would be the wrong direction and stabilize it and fold it out. So uh, it, it happens, you know, it really does happen, particularly with these, with these fly by wire uh, type jets. So we have uh, somebody in the chat room. Logan said, we had a friend up here die in his plane a couple of weeks ago because he had a seatbelt wrapped around the stick in the back seat of the plane. So much must have been a tandem seating. Yeah, uh, it was an remember. RV8, he said later on. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Took off immediately. Uh, took off and immediately crashed because the flight controls were locked up. Checklists, yeah. checklists, checklists. Simple, simple things that should be done. Proper flight control check would have saved him. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, sad. Well, just like there. that uh, BizJet up in uh, the Boston area, uh, the uh, With Gulfstream. The lock. Yeah, had the control oh, log the, on. Uh, the, the Gulfstream, I think it was. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Oh, man. I, I read the report for that one. It's just hard to read. Mm-hmm. Yep. Man, you get yourself in that position. Jeez. So uh, getting back to this uh, E-190. Uh, uh, so apparently, you know, some misrigging and then not thorough checking before you take the thing in the air. And uh, luckily, they were able to get 
it back on the ground and uh, everybody lived through it. But uh, wow, talking about a harrowing experience. All right, yeah. uh, let's move on to the second item. European Union Air Safety Agency temporarily suspends Pakistan International Airways authorization to operate to the EU member states for a period of six months, effective July 1st. This is from uh, N- or PKAviation.com. Um, let's see, beginning July 1st for a period of six months with a right to appeal against this decision. Subsequently, PIA is discontinuing its flights to Europe temporarily. All passengers booked on PIA flights to European sectors will have the option to either extend their bookings for a later date or get full refunds. PIA is in contact with IAZA to allay their concerns and to take necessary corrective measures along with filing the appeal against the decision. So, you know, we were talking about the preliminary report of the uh, crash 8303, I believe it was. Um, outside of Karachi. And then, of course, we heard the uh, news item regarding some of the licenses weren't quite up to snuff. Um, and uh, just I saw this, and there was discussion in social media about this. Uh, one of those pilots that was uh, temporarily suspended uh, contacted uh, Live and Let's Fly uh, blog and said, hey, I, uh, I'm i one of those pilots, and let me tell you, it's not the case for me anyway. It's, uh, let's see, the PIA pilot said, I'm on the fake pilot list and horrified. The pilot has asked to remain anonymous for the time being, though I have verified his identity as a PIA first officer. This is from the uh, Live and Let's Fly blog. Um, he reached out to me after learning his name was on the suspect list and then finding my article about it online. Primary among his concerns is that the public has not been made aware of the specifics of what are being alleged. This is not a matter of, quote, fake pilots taking to the skies. Rather, it's a matter of certification for captain. And it go, the uh, blog post goes on to say in Pakistan, there are three levels of pilots, private pilot license, commercial pilot license, and airline transport pilot license. Um, and the PIA pilot explained that many pilots now find their credentials being questioned over an issue of timing. Here's, here's a quote from him. Our reputation has been demolished thanks to an overzealous minister, aviation minister, who made a statement without any fact checking. Just to give you the other side, the criteria for judging whether a license is dubious by our civil aviation authority is anyone who operated a flight the same day they appeared in a written exam. I am such one such case. The pilot is a first officer who holds a commercial pilot license, not an ATPL. He explained that he took the first of his his eight ATPL written exams on the same day he operated a flight. This triggered an automatic red flag and makes him one of the 262 suspects. I uh, operated a flight from Lahore to Karachi in the morning, went straight to the examination center in Karachi, gave my first uh, ATPL exam. I passed. There is a record of me signing in on an attendance sheet with the time I walked in. I was late due to the flight, though I received no extra time to complete my paper. They supposedly have camera footage of me at the examination hall. I have not since uh, appeared in any more exams. Still got seven more to go. Therefore, I don't even possess the, quote, fake license I'm alleged to have. 
Um, he's a first officer on a Boeing 777. He has not completed his ATPL yet. As he put it, he does not need to. Now he's accused of having a fake license he has never held or purported to hold. So now this is not the case for all of those that supposedly are holding dubious certificates or licenses over there. But this is one case where he kind of got caught up in the whole thing. And seems to me, based on this interview from a Live and Let's Fly blog, that he um, he shouldn't have been uh, caught up in it. Well, my heart goes out to him because uh, if he's genuine, and it's certainly from what he says, uh, he explains uh, the misunderstanding. And uh, you can't very well hold it against him if you're saying that uh, this ATPL license was gained fraudulently. Well, I don't even have an ATPL license. How could it have been gained right. fraudulently? So right. I think that's entirely true. But the problem is that there is obviously a case to be answered from many other pilots, mm -hmm. and he's been tarred with the same brush. So I, yeah. whilst I have huge sympathy for him, I think the whole system in Pakistan uh, seems to be rife with uh, these uh, fraudulent uh, exam uh, results. So they really do need to get a, a grip of it very quickly and yep. discover who the problem pilots are accurately and fairly and get rid of them. Well, apparently IAZA agrees with you because they have, uh, as we just mentioned, uh, the previous article uh, suspended operations of flights from PIA into the European member states for six months. Yeah, yeah sure. You, you need to get a hold of this. Situation. FAA, yeah. any word from the states that you've heard of? I haven't heard anything no, specifically. Me I was, yeah, hmm. and 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 usually, usually uh, the FAA tends to be a little bit uh, a little reactive to these kinds of things, and uh, mm -hmm. it's usually well, you yeah. guys that, that that spearhead everything. Um, when, when it comes to stuff like this, but, uh, and I was, I was, I was, you know, hoping they would, uh, they would, they would say something, but at, uh, as of now, nothing yet. Um, and it, it's, it's to, just to, just to expand a little bit on this. Um, and from experience, when I was an FO, um, it's, it, it works exactly like this. So you, you're not, you're not required, or at least back, back when I was doing it, it uh, in, in Chile, you're not required to have an ATPL, so you, you fly with a commercial uh, commercial multi instrument license, and um, when it's time for you to upgrade, you do just that. You you take your 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 ATP written, and your actual ATP ride um, is done in a level D simulator. So um, it's funny because I have all the ATPs that I have, which I have three. Um, I've never taken an ATP ride in anything but a simulator. And uh, when I got my ATP here in the United States, um, before coming to Acme Giant, I actually got my ATP ride and um, 747 type rating on the same ride. So that, um, that that's kind of how it works. But yeah, obviously you have to, I see how how this would have uh, flagged uh, this uh, this poor fella. Uh, but like like Nick was saying, you know, it's it's uh, he he's being painted with the same brush here. But you know, they do need to get to the bottom of this because uh, it's yeah. I mean, it sounds like the system is set up such that it, it leaves room for people to take advantage of it. You know, the way they're flagging different things, and some people get caught up uh, doing things legitimately, and other people seem like they're taking advantage. No, absolutely. And not to mention the fact that the FAA is quite busy right now, according to Captain Rizzo in our chat room. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Bravo Clearance. Mr. Bravo Clearance in uh, That's right. Las Vegas Approach Control. <laughs> yeah, the guy's famous now, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> One of the oh, yes. Everyone knows that guy. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, uh, one thing here. Uh, Luger in the chat says that uh, going back uh, for about the um, the um, that Lufthansa flight. He was saying that uh, on the Lufthansa flight, the FO took over. Only the captain's side was misrigged. So, which oh. is about fifty percent there. But I do remember something about uh, the Lufthansa flight there having somebody say fifty percent. Boom. Yeah. Hey. Thank oh you. My Very nice. Above the line. Above the line. I just love it. You just you just get you know you We're get corrected always... on the fly here. It's awesome. Yeah. Very nice. Uh, just a reminder to those of you listening to the audio only. If you ever get a chance, make sure you're following us on the social means. And uh, when you see that we're going to be doing a show live, you should join us. You can have a lot of fun. We're have a yeah. we have a great uh, group of folks and some others in the uh, chat room <laughs> right now. So, <laughs> and you all know who you are. Yes, <laughs> they do. Talk about uh, dubious characters. Yes, dubious. I'm no, just kidding. We love you guys. <laughs> uh, let's see. Moving on. Um, yeah, another uh, another military uh, incident. A uh, details remain very limited, but a crash involving one of the 20th Fighter Wings F-16s occurred on the evening of June 30th, 2020, at Shaw Air Force Base in South Carolina, I believe. Flames and emergency vehicles could be seen on base as the incident unfolded. Or is that North Carolina stuff, Shaw? I have to look. I don't yeah. actually anyway, know. Well, it's one of the I will give us, I'll give us 50% here. Thank in, you. So a uh, statement from the base reads, a U.S. Air Force F-16CM fighting Falcon assigned to the 20th South fighter. Carolina. Thank you. thought it was South uh, Carolina. Oh, that's right South, there. Is it South Carolina? <laughs> Uh, crashed at approximately 2330 yesterday uh, here on base, June 30th. At the time of the incident or accident, the aircraft was on a routine training mission with one pilot on board. Shaw Air Force Base emergency responders are on scene. The cause of the crash as well as the status of the pilot are unknown at this time. And then it goes on to uh, give us an update. It pains us to report that the pilot has been declared dead. The pilot of the F-16CM that crashed at approximately 1130 in the evening on June 30th during a routine training mission here at Shaw Air Force Base was pronounced dead. The name is being withheld for 24 hours uh, for next of I have the name. I don't know. Um, You do? Yeah. First Lieutenant David Schmitz. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's sad. And it must have been something to do with perhaps a takeoff or landing incident because it was right on the base when it occurred right so nick uh sc stands for south carolina <laughs> to answer your question in the chat room sorry <laughs> jeff jeff she's reading the chat room stop her <laughs> stop reading the chat room stuff <laughs> cut it out yes we have now determined it's the it's the state i live in nick <laughs> where i am currently sitting I was trying to be subtle about it. <laughs> Not subtle. Not subtle. Sorry, Jeff. You were, you were asking a serious question. You were saying something serious. No, it, 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 yeah, he was. He was saying that it, it does seem like it was a a um, something during during the takeoff here because it, takeoff uh, or a landing. Um, takeoff or a landing. One right. of those where you know they're near the runway, apparently right on on the base itself. So maybe we'll find out more as the investigation starts. 
it's a bit of a bad uh, run of luck, isn't it? I mean, it never is luck, of course, but uh, no. it's always nasty to have a series of incidents. They may not be related, but uh, it makes everyone have a sharp intake of breath when you lose F-15s, F-35, F-22, C-130, and, and a second F-35 uh, in a relatively short space of time. So I have no doubt the uh, flight safety departments in the United States Air Force are going to be taking a very close look at uh, all these incidents. Yep. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they come up with here. But uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah. Once once you start seeing a lot of uh, mishaps very close together, it's it's. I think it's time to pump the brakes and go. You know, you know well, what's going on here. Yeah. Kind of, kind of, you know, just hang them up for a little bit and try to figure out what the deal yeah, is. Just uh, just make sure there's not some sort of common thread. Somewhere. My anecdotal uh, experience is that when something like this happens. Um, I don't know if the entire Air Force has ever done this, but like your particular command usually does a safety stand down and just like says, okay, nobody's going to fly for like a few days. We're all going to have briefings and meetings and try to get a, you know, a grasp of what's happening here. Why, why are we losing all these? But it's interesting here because you obviously have the, the, the air combat command with all the, all the F prefix jets. And then I guess the C-130 is an AMC bird. So but yeah, but I yeah, absolutely understand if, if if this if this starts to happen, you need to, as we said, kind of pump the brakes and figure it out. Yep. <clears throat> For sure. All right. Well, let's have something uh, with a little bit more levity. Um, ah. This next item: a completely naked woman, not a partially naked, completely naked woman, tries to book a flight at the New Orleans airport. So I guess I should probably play this for just a little bit. Bad girls. <laughs> uh, let's see. She only had to take off her shoes. A woman was arrested after trying to book a flight at the New Orleans airport fully naked and then refusing to leave. Uh, Marielle Vergara, 27, allegedly strolled up to the Spirit Airlines counter at Louis Armstrong, Louis Armstrong International Airport on Friday night without a stitch of clothing on. Well, that showed a lot of spirit. Yes, she was very spirited. We've got spirit. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. How about you? (laughs) Airline officials told her she wouldn't be able to travel in her current getup, or lack thereof, and asked her to leave. But she refused, according to the Jefferson Parish Sheriff's Office. By the time a deputy, deputy arrived, Vergara had pulled on a dress, but it was a little too short to cover her genitals. She had, and she had no underwear on. Uh, she allegedly ignored orders to leave and scuffled with deputies as she was taken into custody. She was booked on charges of obscenity, resisting arrest, battery of a police officer, simple battery, and remaining in a place after being forbidden. Uh, I mean, you know, we've all had this experience, right? You know, common. Actually. Yeah, it's, it happens. It happens. Yeah. Usually in Vegas, where it stays in yeah. Vegas. <laughs> New Orleans see, is a little bit different situation. This is why I fly cargo. That's a good uh, reason, I think. Yeah, no. the, the boxes don't get naked and refuse no, they to don't. leave. They, yeah, you just, you just, they don't, they don't make it. They don't make a sound when they get on the plane. You have to deal with them. It's great. But you know, apparently here, the uh, the she took the party from uh, the French Quarter all the way to the airport. Yeah, and, oh, yeah. uh, you know, more power to her for that. Oh, yeah. There um, you go. It's uh, you know, that's interesting. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Just imagine having to deal with that. Nah. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. Uh, apparently, she must 
I'm guessing she may have been under the influence of something. Oh, no, 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 no. I I mean, maybe not. She she might have just been a naturist. Exactly. Very Mm -hmm. much so. A nudist. Yeah, I think so. Exhibitionist. I don't know. Looking at her. uh, Uh, Is there actually a law against flying uh, in an airplane naked? Uh, I think there probably are several laws. Um, I'm sure there are several laws, but how about (laughs) flying in an airplane naked? I mean, once you're on the airplane, is there a specific law against it? Probably just know. comes down to the airline. Hey, at least, at least you know, her going through TSA if the security's gonna be, you know, be really easy because. Uh, <laughs> yep. Oh yeah. You got nothing. You got nothing Keep nothing going. to declare here. There you go. It's clear. <laughs> she likes traveling light. <laughs> Flat on spirits. Like I don't want any extra, uh, you know, cabin baggage fees or anything. So yeah. nothing. Just, nothing. Just yeah. It's like yeah, she she took it to uh to uh, literally, you know, it's to an extreme. That whole no frills is only only applies to carry on. It's clothes are okay. How do you know she had no frills? Well, clearly, <laughs> have a lot of well, if she had any, we would have been able to see them. <laughs> no, I okay. wouldn't want to see that. Thing. Yeah, me neither. Mm-mm. Okay. And finally, this is some sad news. Boeing Company hasn't told the employees yet, but the company is pulling the plug on its hulking 747 jumbo jet, ending a half-century run for the Twin Isle Pioneer. The last 747-8 will roll out of a Seattle area factory in about two years, a decision that hasn't been reported but can be teased out from subtle wording changes and financial statements people familiar with the matter said. It's a moment that aviation enthusiasts long have dreaded, signaling the end of the double-decker four-engine Leviathans that shrank the world. Airbus is already preparing to build the last A380 jumbo after the final convoy of fuselage segments rumbled to its Toulouse-France plant last month. Yet for all their popularity with travelers, the final version of the 747 and Europe's super jumbo never caught on commercially as airlines turned to twin-engine aircraft for long-range flights. While Boeing's hump-nosed freighters will live on, the fast-disappearing A380 risks going down as an epic dud. The, that wasn't me. I didn't say that. Oh, nope. It was uh, who wrote this uh, article here? That means that mean I didn't agree. <laughs> it was Julie Johnson at Bloomberg. So Julie Johnson at Bloomberg.com. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. So uh, let me see if I can find my place here. I had to scroll up. Um, well, the Grand Jetliners also face another indignity. The COVID-19 pandemic threatens to leave their manufacturers scrounging to find buyers for the last jumbos built. As it turned out, the number of routes for which you need an ultra-large aircraft are incredibly few, said Sash Tuza, an analyst with agency partners. Boeing's Queen of the Skies debuted in 1970, an audacious bet that transformed travel but almost bankrupt the company. Passenger versions boasted a spiral staircase to a luxurious upstairs lounge. Freighter models featured a hinged nose that flipped open to load everything from cars to oil drilling gear. The 747 went on to rack up 1,571 orders over the decades, second among wide-body jets only to Boeing's 777. Wow, I didn't realize they made that many 777s. The uh, millennial-era A380 could haul as many as 853 passengers uh, and reflected Europe's lofty aerospace ambition. But by the time it, ro- it arrived in 2007, airlines were already tilting to smaller planes that burned less fuel. 
Boeing correctly anticipated the trend with the twin-engine 777 and the 787 Dreamliner, with prodding from Joe Sutter, a famed engineer who led the original 747 program, the plane maker decided to develop a relatively inexpensive upgrade of the four-engine plane to steal sales from the A380. Anyway, so uh, the article continues, but uh, the bottom line is that the I think the remaining uh, 747s are slated to go to, is it Emirates? No, they don't fly. No, no. Um, uh, I don't believe there's Oh, UPS, any... I think. Yeah, UPS. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't yeah, think uh, they haven't made a, a a passenger 74 in a long, long time. Okay. And I, off the top of my head, who operates passenger 74-8s now? It's, uh, it's Korean China Bulls. Airlines, Korean, Lufthansa, and I think that's it. There's really... There really weren't that many uh, passenger version um, uh, customers for that one, but the but but Dash Eight freighters and seven four seven Dash four hundred freighters, even even uh, four hundred uh, BCFs or uh, converter freighters, uh, they're they're still going strong. Now, as the article here you know, states correctly, the I guess critical and the most I guess attractive part about a a seven four seven freighter is the fact that you can just you know hinge the nose up. And it's so easy to load and unload, and you can actually load and unload from 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 both positions, the the, the nose and the uh, main cargo door in the back, on the uh, left side of the jet. Um, they might be closing the 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 line down, but the seven four is gonna it's gonna live on for a long, long, long time to come because there's really nothing else like it. You know, on a on a seven four seven eight, you're talking about a two hundred forty thousand pound payload. You know, over thousands and thousands of miles. Yeah, you're flying on four engines, but what other plane can carry 240,000, 120 tons of cargo? It just just doesn't happen. Uh, now, this, the the Dash 400, we, you contrast that with the 777. The 777 max payload is 105 tons versus 120 on the Dash 400. Yeah, it's 15 tons. Uh, and yeah, you're carrying you know 15 tons less with only two inches but those 15 tons it's it's a lot of weight you know you're talking about 30 30,000 pounds of, of of load there and from experience having flown the triple seven freighter and the 747 i tell you just when you have odd shaped cargo trying to load down on a triple seven it uh it's a little it's a little bit tricky you know mm-hmm. and uh so the seven four it'll, it'll live on for 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 a long long time. Actually, you know, hopefully, looking forward to going back to it here in a couple of years because uh, uh, it's I'll tell you it's it's a beautiful plane to fly, and I can't wait to 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 fly her around the world a couple for a couple more years as commander, Commander Rick. Oh no, commander in chief. No, uh-huh. <laughs> I have to say I love that very first picture, which mm-hmm. is stretches back to nineteen sixty six. And uh, mm-hmm. it really does illustrate the enormous change that the wide bodies created at uh, that cabin area. And I'm trying to describe it. It's uh, they've got a uh, a three four three configuration. They look big and roomy seats. They the cabin looks vast. It looks very mm-hmm. impressive. I can understand why at the time when it came out, it it looked like and continued to be such a world beater. Passengers no, loved it. There's no doubt about it. It was definitely a more glamorous time of air travel there, right? Yeah, no, yeah. no naked people there. So no uh, naked no, people. Uh, no, no, no. Well, I bet. No, never mind. <laughs> Finally, you don't think you're going to make a profit with that passenger load, though? Yeah, <laughs> Here, I'm going to show yeah. everybody in the um, 
in the live chat room on the video, there's a, a picture the the picture that Nick was talking about. Look at that. I mean, the thing is huge, and they and we've talked about this before how uh, the the walls are almost completely vertical. Uh, yeah. in the passenger mm-hmm. cabin, um, so it's like it's like a building. It's it's mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's very spacious. Yeah, the good old days, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh man, I wish I'd been a. Uh, I, I would have flown passengers back then. You know, how oh, would you? I could, I could have been. Uh, I could have been a. a, a, a uh, I would have been okay with being a, a Pan Am pilot. Pan Am, yeah, know, I could like see that. Late sixties, mid seventies. Uh, yeah, me by, too. By, that would have been by the eighties. Would have been great. The golden days. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Well, that looks like it for our news folder for today. So let's get on to one of the better parts of the show. Uh, getting to know us it's that time where we kind of get all caught up now you know we haven't been gone for long we uh, recorded sunday evening and it's friday morning so just about five days so probably not a lot happening amongst the crew but uh, we're gonna ask anyway and uh let's start with you rick what hmm. have you been up to <laughs> It's sitting here the whole time, literally. <laughs> you haven't so left not, your seat. Not, not a lot. I've been here. I just, yeah, it's, same uh, hotel uh, room. Yeah, same hotel room. Same. So uh, basically, uh, so the last couple of flights I did were for uh, for Amazon. So um, they have uh, they had me here on uh, on short call reserve uh, every day from about six in the afternoon till about midnight. And as I think I've, I've, I've said it before, a short call basically means that from the moment you get the call to the moment you, you, you release the brakes, um, there can only be a hour and a half uh, period there. So you're basically sitting, um, getting ready to go out the door if, if they call you. So basically, I've, I, I, I did that the whole time, but obviously they haven't called me. And I called scheduling and asking, well, uh, is there anything else I could do? Because I keep seeing all these strips, but it always happens to me this way. If I'm on the East Coast of the, of the, of the country, all the open trips happen in the West <laughs> and vice versa. So, um, and basically what, what scheduling says is that, well, no, because since, since I'm on Amazon's time right now, apparently, uh, and I'm the, the hot spare captain. Um, yeah, I guess I'm the hot spare captain. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Hey, no. Super hot. <laughs> <laughs> I can't move from here. So I've been here the whole time, which is good because I caught up on a lot of reading. I, the, uh, the training department pushed out the new quarterly training, um, uh, systems training. So I, I went through that and I got caught up with, with other stuff I had to do, you know, been to the gym every day down here. Uh, and, um, yesterday it was nice cause I actually went out, went out and, uh, got myself a nice, you know, full rack of ribs and a, and a bunch of beer and walked around and it was good so i just basically paid vacation here in miami so not complaining so have you been on any other podcasts recently uh, oh that is correct yes 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 uh last monday i was on the airplanes geek airplane geeks uh show we had a, a nice little conversation about uh all sorts of things from the Dreamlifter to the seven five and seven six and triple sevens and seven eights and went through uh the news there with the guys and uh had a really good time. Really, really good time. Those guys are great. It's my second time on that show. So uh, hopefully Ooh. I didn't embarrass myself too badly. Oh, they, they invited you call back, did they? Yeah. yeah. No, hopefully they never invited me back. No, I haven't been invited back. No. no. Wow. Okay. Well, yeah. so he does the APG and the AGP. Yeah. Uh, there you go. 
Wow. Nice. Something else. <laughs> Thank you, uh, main man Micah, for reminding us of that. No, he that is in our main or our uh, live chat room. Thank you, Micah. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, it's kind of nice to have a paid vacation in Miami, I guess. Huh? No, I'm not complaining. I like it. Going yeah. home hopefully tomorrow. So uh, that'll that'll be it. And my next uh, my next uh, rotation here has me going to uh, the other side of the world for the first time in a couple of months. So I'm going to oh. see how I uh, how I handle um, how I handle uh, jet lag again. Although it's it's not going to be too bad because the um, I'll commercial up to Anchorage. I'll be in Anchorage for a day, and then I, I I ride on a company airplane down to Seoul, South Korea, and then I'm there for two days to get kind of acclimated, and then I'll just be doing regional flying uh, between mm. Korea, Taipei, uh, Taiwan, and uh, Japan. Um, I'll, I'll do uh, two rotations there, you know, two of those triangles, and then uh, sit there for another two days, and then uh, come back on home. So uh, shouldn't be too bad. Look forward to that actually. Nice. nice. They, they took away my Taipei layover, though. I was looking forward to that. But they, now they have now they have me in, so they in get, Seoul. So they took but, uh, took away your Taipei. What about the Type B or and Type C? I, I'm going to have to uh, call and find out what happened there. Okay. But uh, for now, uh, that's that's all they took away. <laughs> all uh, right, that's definitely a but Captain I'm, Jeff joke. Yeah, yeah. thank you. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> So, um, it's a sad amount of laughter. It's like <laughs> if, maybe laughter. I know. It's kind of. I got to get one of those uh, applause things. Right? Exactly. <laughs> uh, let's see. Moving on. Yeah. If if you watch the video, you'll get to see everybody on the cruise sad looking faces after I make a joke like that. Um, let's uh, move on over to Nick. How have you been, sir? Have you been sitting in the cockpit the whole time? <laughs> yeah, I have. Nick also hasn't yeah, moved from his seat. <laughs> facing the wrong way. Um, I've done absolutely nothing. Thank you very much. Well, I've done lots. Nothing associated with aviation, really. I've uh, watched a few movies, drunk a few beers. Nice. Had, uh, you know, a boy's birthday. Had a very nice curry. Uh, looking forward to getting a haircut. The, uh, the barber shops are opening uh, in the UK soon. And uh, played a bit of bowls. That's it, really. And uh, of course, uh, right. Actually, I didn't really write this week's plain tale. You guys did, which was great. So thank you very much for that. Yeah, I see how you did that. All I did was, was, yeah, was read it, really. It was super. So yeah, I shall uh, be cracking on with a new plain tale uh, this evening, probably. Any big plans for tomorrow? Um, Independence Day? I mean, uh, Trader's Day? No, we do our hey, best. It's, to, it's only treason if you lose. <laughs> we do our best to quietly ignore it. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, you, you mean you can't see fireworks from from over there? Like, we do our best. To we do really big fireworks. Fire. We can't tell those fireworks Wait, apart right. from all the other fireworks you guys are having. So. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, oh, yeah. We're, we're, we're gonna deal with that swiftly here don't worry <laughs> good luck good luck with that oh absolutely uh i've got a bowls match tomorrow so uh the first of the singles matches Ooh. of the season in my new club so we'll see how we get on that. yeah hope you do well good luck thank you good skill i should say um all right uh steph yeah, kind of short and sweet for me too. Um, just was a regular work week for me, except I have today off, which is very nice. 
but it was very busy this week. So I actually had spent the morning uh, before we started here catching up on some paperwork and I still actually have a little bit more to do. Um, because in true Steph fashion, I tried to get out the door early, but had misplaced my wallet because that's never happened what? to me before. No, that never happens. <laughs> Spent a little extra time fumbling around looking for that before it was located. Um, <laughs> did sneak in a little bit of flying between last time we talked and today, uh, nice. a little cross-country flight. So yeah, that was uh, that was nice. And it's been hot. Yes, it yeah. has. I can and it's going to be that. very hot this weekend. So hot and humid. Hopefully there'll be a little little bit of lake time this afternoon to cool off. Probably not as hot and humid as it is in Miami, but still. Oh, no, down, down here it's brutal. The yeah. Carolinas and uh, Georgia, it, it's been sweltering. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. it is, it's July, so that's typical, I guess. Uh, I don't yeah. have a lake to head out to and cool off in. Oh, well. Um, but yeah, other than that, and I'm trying to ignore a bunch of uh, messages I'm getting right now about plans for this weekend because it is a holiday and um, apparently all my friends are not working either so Ah. we'll we'll do some have some meetups get togethers and um barbecue and all that good stuff maybe a little home fireworks show well you'll have to tell us all about it on the next show will do um i received some snail mail a a nice little note from uh jeff jet from jet fuel java uh, the uh, wonderful coffee roaster that he uh, that he is the uh, proprietor of out in Washington State. <laughs> he sent he wrote the note on. Uh, can you tell what this is? It's a little um, individual oh, filter, like, um, like a little Melita or whatever hmm. brand it is, um, for like a pour over. And he says, "Here, I need to switch my glasses so I can actually read this." Captain Jeff, thank you for the love you have shown Jet Fuel Java. We deeply appreciate you and the APG community. To show our thanks, here's our belated Father's Day package. I hope you enjoy our new roast. I haven't tried it yet. I'll let you know, though, Jeff. Perfect timing, though. I'll take that with me on my uh, trip out to uh, California, which will be uh, leaving Monday morning. Talk about that in a minute. Uh, P.S., Here are some masks for the APG crew that my girlfriend made. Uh, These will also be made for sale on our website to help keep our aviation professionals safe. Tailwinds and blue skies. So that's from Jeff Jet of of Jet Fuel Java. So let me show you first um, the uh, masks. At some point, I'll be giving these to everyone. Uh, We'll start off with the Miami Ricks. Oh, they're individually made? Yeah. Each oh, wow. one has like a little oh, uh, clothespin. With the, yeah. Oh, so cool. this one is appropriately ah, has a big excellent. old jet airliner on there. Oh, man, look at that. I love it. Okay. And uh, let's see. Okay. Let's see if you guys can figure out who this one is for. It's just a pretty. Some paper, paper airplanes. I like it. Yeah, this is, is for me? stuff. Yeah, yeah. Look the colors. It'll There's actually it'll match my new shoes, kind of different oh. colors. But uh, hold on, I just bought shoes that have little. Oh, look at that! Here, let's. Oh, uh, look at that! Nice. <laughs> yeah, perfect. I, I like it. Mask shoes, I like it. Very yeah. nice. Matchy matchy. You gotta have your mask matching your outfit these days. Like that's that's a thing. Pandemic's uh, no reason to be uh, let's see. sloppy on the wardrobe. Here is one for Captain Dana. 
And let's see, for Captain Nick, we have this. Oh, looks like. Oh, it's Great noisy. 18. Very nice. Very nice. Very nice. How appropriate. And for me, uh, just kind of a an Ooh. arrangement, assortment oh, okay. of different yeah. uh, airplanes. Very, uh, a nice medley. Yeah. yeah. On the inside, by the way, is uh, some nice coffee-related um, oh, nice. stuff. So, okay. So, got the face mask. Thank you, Jeff, for that. Um, T-shirt. His new oh, um, more. roast. Oh, oh, wow, look at that. Awesome. Um, so cool. The, the new roast is called the uh, the Godfather's Italian Roast. Again, I have not tried it yet, but I look forward to that. The shirt or the coffee? Well, both. There's the uh, <laughs> coffee right there. And he also sent me a nice little mug with these nice candies. Oh, they're not very good. Sorry. <laughs> Are they... Uh little styrofoam yeah they're a little styrofoam yeah. things you're not oh, supposed okay. to eat them and uh you really can't see the uh the etched uh oh, jet nice. fuel java logo there because of wow. the of the um little foamy things in here that you're not supposed to eat oh, okay wrong kind of peanuts yeah so thank you very much for my belated father's day gift and the masks and um i'm, I'm continuing to yeah. continuing to order coffee from him because i really really do love his coffee it's good stuff Mm-hmm. There was a question in the chat room about shipping internationally, but it doesn't look like they do. Oh, I don't know. Yet. That's a good question. Yeah. Sometimes Jeff is with us uh, while we're doing the show live, but it doesn't look like he's with us here today. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, uh, great to uh, promote your business. By the way, he's a pilot and he is, uh, you know, building time and um, and has the business to generate money toward that. And also he gives a lot of the money that they make uh, to charity as well. So he's a good guy. Oh, you know what I should do? Since we're talking about him, let me uh, let me introduce you to Jeff. He sent a little. Uh, it's a Father's Day um, video. Can you guys hear that? Yeah. There's a picture of um, Jeff's um, roastery. Pouring some beans into a grinder. He's grinding the beans. He's wearing that T-shirt that he just gave me too. If you notice that, pouring some water into the uh, French roast brewer. Pouring that wonderful Java into the same mug that he gave me. Well, not the same one. Well, it may be. I don't know. Still some coffee residue in here, so maybe it is the same one. I like the music. Hopefully it's copyright free. <laughs> and uh, he's doing some pour over. Oh, he's doing an AeroPress uh, brew as well. I love AeroPress. And there he is at the end, smiling at us. Very Happy Father's nice. Day. Thank you, Jeff. What a great name. Jeff and coffee. Jet. Mm-hmm. Jeff Jet. I mean, that is so cool. I wish I had your name. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Jet. Yeah, yeah, half of it. Yeah, I guess. All right. So that was um, uh, in lieu of uh, a coffee fund contribution. He uh, actually sent me coffee and other 
goodies. So appreciate that. And uh, let's see. I, I mentioned last week that I'm going to be leaving on the uh, road trip with um, Stephen Ivey on Monday morning and uh, working our way out west and then finally to the west coast. And then uh, what is new from the last time that I talked about this on Sunday night is that I've decided that on the way back, I'm going to take a train. And I've never ridden on a train before. And so I'm going to be riding on Amtrak's Sunset Limited from Los Angeles to New Orleans. That's like a two and a half day uh, trip. And uh, then in New Orleans, uh, go from there to Atlanta on the on the Crescent. I'm gonna stop by the airport and try yeah, and get a flight. Yeah, I was gonna say that. In New Orleans, yeah. I'm wondering sure if she's. On. I'm gonna see if she's there. What was her name again? Margell. She's Margell. at the jail. Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go and visit she her. Been shipped back to Colorado. <laughs> you know, based on the picture of her, I think I'll pass on that. Wise. Yeah. You've you've chosen wisely. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, so anyway, I'm look, really looking forward to that. It's going to uh, take us about seven, eight days to um, get out to the West Coast. And along the way, hey, if you're if you're living, uh, you're listening to the show, you're part of our community and and uh, you are hearing about our our, our trip, um, contact me if you think that we might be driving past uh, where you live and perhaps we can get together. You know, I'm not sure we're going to have a lot of time to do a bunch of meetups along the way, but I can tell you right now, it looks like our um, itinerary has shifted a bit. We're going to try to cover more ground on Monday, um, about 12 hours of driving and try to make it to Oklahoma. And then uh, the second day, we're going to try to make it to Albuquerque, New Mexico, uh, because Stephen says there's a good Mexican restaurant he wants to go try out. You take a right when you get to Albuquerque. Was no, he's got to the left. To the left. Oh, to the left. It's left. Yeah. Sorry. Always make a left to Albuquerque. Make a left to Albuquerque. And I do know somebody that is a listener that uh, does live in the Albuquerque area. So maybe we can uh, meet up with you. You know who you are. Um, anyway, and then uh, the next day, I think we head up toward Durango, Colorado, and, and ride on that narrow gauge train, uh, kind of a little half a day trip. And, um, and then we're going to see some national parks like, uh, arches and canyon lands in Utah and, uh, the, the uh, grand <laughs> part. Oh, in Utah. He said, in and U- Utah. I was like, oh, the whole oh, state. I, th- I meant to say in Utah. I- no, you probably did. I misheard. Okay. Um, and then we're going to see the North Rim and South Rims of the uh, Grand Canyon. And then eventually from there over to Death Valley in California. And then finally. Los Angeles. So, that's <laughs> and finally, Los, Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing there. Yeah. Nothing to see. Moving Nothing on. to see there. Turn around, come back. Yeah. Get on a train, come back home. So, uh, and I plan on trying to uh, do as much as I can as far as social media stuff and videos and recordings and that kind of thing. So, hopefully, I'll be uh, we'll be able to take you along with us, and we'll be that's recording great. the show probably on Wednesday or Thursday of uh, next week. Uh, while we're on the road. Uh, So also I should mention, uh, some of you have probably noticed that uh, Dana hasn't been with us for the last couple of shows. And, uh, you know, these times are tough for uh, a lot of us out there and um, stressful, et cetera. And uh, Dana's going through some stressful times or will be anyway soon uh, coming up on the 737 training and such. So um, the, uh, Represented by the APG uh, union, pilots union, uh, and negotiating with 
uh, Acme Management. Uh, we have come to the uh, uh, agreement that uh, Dana is going to be granted a leave of absence. So it's an authorized leave of absence. So people out there don't get don't get too concerned. Accru- uh, seniority continues to accrue. So I know we've had those kind of questions in the past with uh, Rick, but uh, anyway, uh, we wish Dana luck and a stress-free experience. Very much indeed. Dirty. Absolutely. All right. And that leads us to the coffee fund. Johnny, how much more coffee? Sure thing. I love coffee. I love tea. I love the APG community. I really do. Coffee and tea and the Java and me. A cup, a cup, a cup, a cup, a cup. Alrighty. Let's see. Since the last episode, a couple different ways to contribute to our show. Uh, one is the Coffee Fund Classic Method. Uh, let's see. We have Alistair Care, Zachary Lorden, Roger Stern. Roger Stern? Come on, Roger. You don't need to send us any money. You do that great intro every every show. And uh, Randy Ackerman. But we're not going to give you money back, just to let you know. But you made that mistake. Sorry. Uh, also, the uh, Coffee Fund um, patrons uh, via patreon.com. Uh, we have a new executive producer, Gail. I think Gail's with us in the chat room. Thank you, Gail. Lucas, uh, she is a new executive producer. And if you're interested in joining this great group of folks who support the show financially, please head over to airlinepilotguy.com slash coffee. We use this money for equipment and ongoing costs, website hosting, uh, media hosting, um, and meetups. And uh, we'll certainly get back to the whole meetups thing hopefully very soon in the future here. So again, airlinepilotguy.com slash coffee. Please join us. You'll be glad you did. And we will too. Oh, that's true. Captain, incoming message. Yay. Feedback. I looked, up at the, I looked up the video. I'm thinking, what, what's Be going back. on? Where, where did everybody go? <laughs> that was your moment to shine. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, that layover with the coffee fun oh, okay. stuff. It so just, just even... kind of gets a little busy in the, ah, with I us gotcha. in the background. I wasn't looking at yeah. the um, at the StreamYard um, feed at all. I was looking at all these other things. So We just thought we were done for the day. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Holiday, right? He's like, quick, while he's not looking. <laughs> leave, that, would, that would be kind of fun, wouldn't it? Just like everybody leave. And I'd be sitting there going, what? Where'd everybody go? <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. Let me get to the uh, feedback page here. Anybody need to take a break? Just did, thanks. Not yet. Okay. Very good. Well, let's start with the first time in our feedback then. Uh, this is from Mike. And I think it's uh, Mike Odorni. He says... Um, APG 429. So he's giving us some feedback in reference to that episode. And apparently we were talking about something called Pycrete, P-Y-K-R-E-T-E. Most of the references to Pycrete refer to the British version, but barely or rarely mention the American version. My grandfather, Albert Lewis Clapp, modified Pycrete by using textile fibers instead of wood. This solved the cold creep problem with wood fiber. 
Also, the American application was to build a floating airport instead of a moving aircraft carrier. Uh, the intent was to build a series of ferry fields to enable the B-29 to reach England. The existing network of B-17 fields were too far apart for the B-29 and its unreliable engines. Having a number of landing sites meant it was more likely to recover a bulky airplane rather than ditch it. The floating ice fields were roughly square and had four propellers on them to keep it on station and oriented for best winds. The slowness of the B-29 development, as well as need for the B-29 in Europe, waned, killing the American floating ice airport project. Wow, I didn't even know there was such a thing as floating ice airports or the fact that they were even yeah, thinking about I, it. Yeah, I did know about that, but uh, it literally didn't really get off the drawing board. So, ah. Interesting. Interesting concept, though. I mean, how uh, it's almost like a, uh oversized carrier. And I like it how it's it's got these you know you just orient into the wind kind of like kind of mm -hmm. like a carrier does you know except on a carrier you, you just go full speed ahead into the wind and that gives you that extra. Um, well, mind you, they could have built circular ones and then you could have just landed in any direction. I know, right? But oh <laughs> uh, no, Absolutely. not with the circular airports thing again. Come on, <laughs> thought we were finished with that. <laughs> But, you know, once the news cycle gets slow, we're no, going to no, see more. No, no, open that articles. can of worms again. Just, yeah, just I know. launch right back into it. <laughs> uh, also, he says, uh, one little known aspect that was brought up uh, was the weapons carried by the balloons. Hirohito did veto the use of anthrax, but did allow other poisons as well as radioactive waste in addition to the explosive and incendiary bombs. Few reached land, but many were fished out of the water and numerous substances were found. Thus... Japan was the first nation to use atomic weapons. <laughs> I guess you could say that. So, wow, I didn't realize they were using radioactive waste in their Yeah, bombs. I think I mentioned that in the plain tale. Oh, yeah, uh, I remember now. Yeah, because you do. Um, and I actually found a, a bit extra because a couple of uh, American uh, servicemen interviewed the Japanese at the end of the war, Colonel uh, Torato uh, Kunitake and uh, his major. Uh, and um, they said that uh, in respect to this, um, they confirmed that even if the war had continued for another year or so or more, the balloons would not have been used uh, in the upcoming winters because they had decided that they were just too hard to make and they didn't have enough materials, etc. And um, they confirmed that they uh, they didn't use any uh, um, biological or chemical uh, weapons in the uh, in the attacks. So, not too sure about the the poisons side of it we we knew they threw some radioactive waste in some of these uh, balloons but mainly they used incendiaries and high explosives what do they call it dirty bombs when you use spent radioactive waste i, I guess but it's I, I don't know how effective it would have been i mean they, mm -hmm. these weren't huge weapons but uh, and uh, they wouldn't have used a great deal of explosive with them but uh, i mean yeah potentially mm -hmm. could have been nasty well, very good. Thank you uh, for the feedback, Mike. Um, second item. Um, oh, and we talked about uh, on a previous show, I believe it was um, 430, um, in the use of reverse thrust in flight. 
Oh, uh, that old can of worms. Yep, we got a, we have several people <laughs> that that want to want to have something to do with this can of worms. Um, the actually this one and the next one uh, feedback are regarding that. Let's start with this. Uh, Peter says. Hello, APG crew. Last show's discussion, or a couple of shows ago, of using reverse thrust and flight, and I'm reminded of a story told by Captain Steve Thompson, retired Eastern Airlines, in which he said he could deploy the reverse buckets on the 727 just before touchdown to shorten the roll and smooth out the landing. I provided a link below to the podcast where he told that story. Yeah, that would be the very last thing I'd ever attempt on a 727, but the bucket's out. No, 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 no. Um <laughs> Let's see. Fun fact, he was also the check ride captain for the L-1011 and was checking out a new captain on the TriStar that lost all three engines because of a maintenance screw-up and became a nail-biter of a glider flight back to Miami. Captain Nick should do a plain tale about that one. Be safe and well. Peter. Yeah, it is an interesting one. Um, something to do with the oil systems on all three engines and eventually all three engines, I believe, failed or were ailing quite badly and he was able to make it back um so that was from peter um i found a discussion about because i i mentioned that i heard that acme's dc8s were allowed to use reverse thrust in flight and i think i'm i'm not sure what what um forum i found this on uh but i found it um DC-8 reverse thrust and flight is still considered somewhat dangerous to deploy the thrust reversers on a DC-8, but because a pilot can only do so on the inboard engines, any extreme vibration or buffeting is transmitted closer to the wing route, which is safer than doing so on the outboard engines. Farther outboard, the force of the buffeting might damage the wing's mechanisms or structure. Still, it was rarely used because even when the pilots warned the passengers, it still scared the daylights out of them. <laughs> I've heard that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was not it was not a pleasant experience if you were in the airplane with the reverse thrust out. Uh, the, the DC-8 also had speed brakes, but they were considered very ineffective. Now, there somebody else in this forum said, "Sorry." No speed brakes on the DC-8. Yeah, I was just going to say that DC-8 does not have speed, uh, only by speed brakes, um, uh, flight spoilers. Um, yeah. So uh, if, uh, so usually, usually um, these speed brakes are used to increase your rate of descent without increasing your speed because there's, there's several ways of, of increasing your rate of descent. You can either increase your speed and have the airplane pitch over and, you know, but, but obviously you're increasing your speed. But if you need to get down quicker without increasing your speed, uh, you'll you'll deploy speed brakes, and that increases the the drag on the wing, and that you know, brings you down that, that down faster. But yeah, as as it says here, the DCA does not have speed brakes, and which is why the only way to get down is to either be really good at your three to one, you know, just mm -hmm. doing that mental math there and anticipating, or deploying those inboards there. Also, um, Concorde was also able to deploy um, um, thrust reversers in flight. To get down quicker, hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. I also saw, saw <clears throat> getting Ooh, all choked up. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, um, let's see. The in-flight reversing back to the DC-8. In-flight reversing was a bit noisy. However, it was an MEL requirement to have the inboard reversers operational to operate above flight level three five zero. Uh, the mm. procedure was as follows. For a steep or emergency descent, all throttles are retired to, uh, retarded to idle, and the inboard thrust brake levers are put into reverse detent thrust. And when the engine thrust brake indicating lights come on, the throttles are moved to the reverse power stop. 
the outboard engines will be at flight idle as reverse in engines one and four is not possible until the landing gear is extended. Additionally, the use of reverse thrust was to be discontinued below 19,000 feet. Um, the spoilers on the DC-8, as um, Rick just mentioned, it does have spo in-flight spoilers that were used to augment flight control. Three outboard spoilers on each side of the uh, airplane, but only when the gear was down. This made handling the aircraft in gusty weather much easier to give a quick roll response. Anyway, so some more information about the DC-8. Yeah, that's it's fascinating. Um, Rich, you don't know if they were bucket style or... Uh, oh, they... buckets. Yeah, buckets. Okay. Buckets. Yeah. And, and DC-8 is a really, really quirky airplane because not only didn't didn't did it not have uh, in-flight spoilers, but it also don't, it doesn't have um, leading-edge devices. So mm. if you look at DC-8's approaching, they usually come in very nose-down. And another quirky thing about the DC-8 is that it doesn't have um, windshield wipers. It actually has a um, uh, – it uses bleed air. Yeah, that's what we did on the Starlifter. Yep, uh-huh. Mm. It uses bleed air to, to – And the Phantom. Oh, yeah. To move oh. it. <laughs> well, it's kind of hard to put a, uh, a windshield wiper on a Phantom, I, I would imagine. Yeah, they tended to blow off. <laughs> <laughs> Not certified for Mach 2. No, no, no. no, no. no. Exactly. A little flimsy for that. But uh, yeah, quirk, quirky airplane. Very, very quirky. Um, oh, and uh, apparently the DC-8 was the first commercial jetliner to fly supersonic. That's before uh, the Concorde. Accidentally, uh, right? Accidentally, albeit in a test flight. But uh, <laughs> it's, uh, Oops. Yeah, I'll pass Mach 1 there. Did you mean to do that? No, nope. but it worked. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he really did. He wanted that. Uh, <laughs> Go for it. Whoops. Yeah. Yeah, take that, Chuck Yeager. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> love it. I love it. Uh, let's see. Stefan uh, or Stefan wrote in. Uh, he's a A380 guy uh, regarding episode 430, chapter 20, thrust reverser in flight on the B737 Classic. You can air deploy the reversers at 10 feet radar height above or during the landing. Uh, there is also no asymmetrical protection, and these are buckets as well. And he gave us a little blurb from uh, a manual and a little schematic showing that, yeah, the uh, if, if either radio altimeter is lower than 10 feet uh, and you put the reverse thrust uh, lever in reverse and the throttle idle, uh, you get deployment of the thrust reversers on the uh, 737 Classic. I'm yeah, still and, to work I, I believe you can. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Nick. I was sorry. I was still trying to work out why that's a good idea. Because if you decide you're going to uh, make a bolt landing and go around, <laughs> yeah, got the responses out. Exactly right. <laughs> I mean, and that and that is so. Just like just like you have V1 on the takeoff run, you know, after V1 you can't abort. On the landing run, the second you re you deploy reverse thrust, you are committed to landing because if you need to go around and one of the reversers does not does not stow. Then it it can make for a very bad day. But also, I've I've seen uh, not only the seven thirty seven classics. I do believe um, NG seven thirty seven. They, they they do the same thing. And I actually remember because I asked uh, Colonel Jeff about this as he's a seven thirty seven mm. driver, and he did in fact confirm that even on on NG seven thirty. And I've seen it. Um, I remember where the heck was I? I was in Europe somewhere. I think I was in I don't know. I think it was in Spain somewhere. And I saw a a, uh, a Ryanair seven thirty seven coming in. And I saw him, you know, deploy the reverse thrust um, before the before they touched down, and that's that's why this this you know that, that obviously I've never I had never seen that before, and obviously caught my attention. I was like, oh, I didn't know that uh, the seven three could do that, hmm. and uh, certainly other 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 jets can do it. But uh, 
now we're talking uh, a Russian or Soviet-built uh, IL-76, no, not IL-76s, IL-62s, which is the, the bad copy of the VC-10. They deploy the reverse thrust in flight. I, I believe the TU-154 as well, the bad copy of the mm-hmm. 720. I think that's the one that started all of this, um, mm-hmm. was the video that somebody saw that yeah. the TU-154 right. was landing and, and threw the reversers out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, thank you all, uh, Peter and uh, Stefan. Sounds like the uh, uh, reverse thrust descent in the C-17 is a lot of fun. Yeah, I've heard that as well. Um, I think uh, Rick uh, meant to actually snag some of that in the social means. I saw Rick discussing the C-17 reverse thrust. And um, You left us a little comment in the chat room. Says, oh, did uh, 20,000 foot per minute descent. So much wow. fun. Wow. That's That'll, uh, amazing. That's, that'll get you down quick. That uh-huh. is fa- that's fast. It's like an elevator. <laughs> yeah. Just, it's, it's like Wiley e. Coyote. So uh, what about the C-130? Well, we have somebody that's going to tell us about that. Good day. This is the former C-130 CJ. And then former C-RJ CJ. Now Mad Dog CJ. Soon to be unassigned and possibly furloughed CJ. I'm very sorry I didn't get to fly with Captain Jeff before the Mad Dog went away, but, well, I guess many of us thought that we might have more time before she retired. Anyway, I was calling in regarding episode 430 and the discussion about selecting thrust reverser in flight. My perspective comes from that of a former C-130 driver. I've been retired a few years now, but I flew up until my last day. Cue the rickets, because here we go. I remember in the operator's manual for the C-130J, there was a big, bold warning about selecting reverse thrust in flight. In the U.S. Air Force, designating a bit of text as a warning meant that not complying could result in death or loss of the aircraft. It was possible to put the engines in reverse in flight. All one had to do was lift the thrust levers and pull them back over a gate into the ground range. I assume, though, I can't be certain, that a decision was made that tying reverse to the weight-on-wheels sensor could potentially cause problems if that sensor failed. When the pilot pulled the thrust levers over the gate, it would change the propeller governing system for the flight governing into ground governing. In the flight range, the prop would adjust pitch as needed to maintain at or near 100% RPM based on the thrust being produced by the engine. In the ground range, the position of the thrust lever controlled the pitch of the prop and the RPM would vary a bit more widely. So, why the warning? The major problem with selecting reverse in flight was the disruption of the airflow over the wings. A large portion of the wing was essentially a blown wing and developed additional lift because of the prop blowing air across it, especially at the low speeds held during approach and landing. If reverse was selected in flight, this would essentially be the same as extending ground spoilers in flight. You and the ground would become one very quickly. Another possibility that one of the props would not flatten pitch as fast as the others, and due to the previously mentioned spoiler effect, if that happened with an outboard engine, this could put you in a very quick, possibly unrecoverable roll very close to the ground. Finally, the aircraft did not have constant speed generators. Since most of the time, the props were at 100% RPM, constant speed generators weren't needed. But if reverse was selected in flight, the prop could severely overspeed or underspeed, potentially knocking multiple generators offline, with all the attendant loss of electrically driven hydraulic pumps for emergency braking, avionics, fuel pumps, well, you get the idea. We were trained to ensure we were firmly on the ground before selecting reverse thrust. All this being said, and to attempt to keep things at a 50% accuracy, YouTube does contain a video of one of the earlier models of C-130 performing trial landings on the deck of the USS Forrestal. In the video, it says that in order to achieve such a short landing distance, 
a short, a strong headwind was combined with selecting reverse thrust in flight shortly before touchdown. Perhaps the story of that trial could make a good plain tale for a certain curmudgeonly pilot. As always, love the show, its personalities, producer, and even its soggy slack salesman. Listening to you all helps while away the extended time out of the flight deck as October 1st at the end of the CARES Act approaches. Talons, Douglas. A soggy slack salesman. <laughs> wow, sorry, hello. <laughs> I love the alliteration. That was great. Oh, yeah, that was good. Thank you, Mad Dog. Uh, CJ Hummer, sorry to hear about your woes. Whoa. Uh, as far as um, uh, the whole uh, career thing, uh, setbacks and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you're not alone out there, so we're uh, we're thinking and praying for you. Mm-hmm. And thanks for the suggestion. It is already part of a plane tale, I'm afraid. Oh, oh wow. Very good. Nice. So either you haven't been listening to them all or you've forgotten because short memory. There's so much out there. I mean, we just there's, there's a lot of content. We'll forgive you for content. forgetting or overlooking like, that particular. Only like 200 of them or whatever. <laughs> yeah. That's only. a lot. By the way, well, we need a few more to stick up, please, Jeff. Okay. I'll get right on that. If, you, if you don't mind, I won't do it right now, though. No, oh, no. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. Next item from Captain Peter. Hello, Captain Jeff crew. It seems some questions were raised regarding my previous feedback, so I thought I might try to answer them if I may. May? If I may? Firstly, how did I accrue so many endorsements? Well, it took two airlines. Yeah, we were kind of trying to figure out how he had so many type ratings and such. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first was a domestic airline in the land where I was born. What happened there? Yeah, sudden. there was a refresh in Evernote. Just go back to the correct note. Oh, I don't okay. know why. Um, where did it go? Number it's four. Still number four. Thank yep. you. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. I'm in the, in the middle of reading and all of a sudden it just disappeared. Okay. Well, it took two airlines. My first was a domestic airline in the land where I was born, where I flew the F-27, DC-9, and B-727. After seven years and being affected, as we most are at some stage, by the big shiny jet syndrome, my wife and I packed up to start a new life in a foreign land, and all it had were big shiny jets. So here, in Acme version 2, I have accumulated the rest of my endorsements, the A330-340, the 747-234 and 8, and the triples, Boeing 77723 uh, and ER. In fact, everything except the L-1011 and the A340-600 during my time here. Regarding the sad face emoji after the A340-300, well, after waxing lyrical about the virtues of the DC-9, I thought I should provide my least liked, and in this PC world, trying not to offend, I used an emoji. Obviously not clear enough. That was probably uh, my fault. I didn't understand what the emoji was. Or maybe it just didn't come through uh, Evernote. Anyway, regardless. Uh, Hot and high departures were particularly problematic on this aircraft, with the only reason you gained altitude was the curvature of the Earth falling away. (laughs) Luckily, the CFM-56 was a reliable engine, however better suited to what I'm sure it was designed for. Hair dryers. (laughs) 
Yep. <laughs> We've heard Nick mention that several <laughs> times. Uh, please, Captain Nick, I mean no offense. I know you like the airplane. We can discuss this over a few stiff drinks in the bar or pistols at dawn, whichever you prefer. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and he sent us a picture, so I'm going to select that now as our overlay in the video. As to where I'm based, well, they say a picture says a thousand words. So I added one. Captain Nick will know this one. All the best to the happy crew. Always blue side up, Captain Peter. Now, it must be somewhere in um, the Midwest uh, because I see it's a a Purina um, checkerboard. Exactly. Checkerboard uh, logo there. Yeah. Oh man, it's actually one of the best shots I've seen of it. Uh, yeah, it's really Very nice. Clear. Nice. And yeah. I think that's I, an, well framed. That's an Airbus. Yeah. Uh, no, no, that's too, a seven forty seven. Oh, is it seven forty seven? Seven four two hundred. Yeah, okay, it's a classic uh, old it's got school. Too many buttons. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's uh, an old. I, I notice it's ninety two. That's uh, yeah. That's a. A few That's years a ago, while ago. A, a little while ago, isn't it? There's a question in the chat room: Is that Kaitak? Yes, that is. It is Kaitak. Well, it's a, just the checkerboard. Kaitak's about forty or fifty yeah, degrees right of the nose. The right. <laughs> <laughs> you got to make that turn. Yeah, right. It's. Yeah. Uh, you know, I tell you what. One of these. Uh, so if 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 you had the chance to go to Hong Kong and have, have um, the place where the checkerboard now sits, obviously the checkerboard it's it's no longer in use because the airport's been gone since '98, I think it was. Um, but you can still go up there and, uh, I've actually sat at the very top of the checkerboard there and, uh, taking a little bit of the old paint that chipped off as a bit of a s- souvenir with me. And so you just sit up, uh, up top there and you just get the most amazing view of Hong Kong. And it's, I just, I, I never obviously flew in a, into Kai Tak, but just sitting there, uh, you can only just, just just imagine what it, what it must have been like, and I I I always say I was I was born 15 years uh, too late because I wish I wish I'd had the the chance to fly in there. Uh, that that place must have been unbelievable. Uh, yeah, my, no my, autopilots, no you know, nothing. You just disconnected, just fly visually, go to the checkerboard, pick up the lights, and then just then just go in. I just wish I'd done that. Just yeah. fly the darn airplane. You're lucky, Nick. You're lucky. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was great until you realized the end of the runway stuck out in the middle of the harbor. And if you didn't get the braking <laughs> right, you're going to end up like that 747-400 that uh, ran off the end, mm-hmm. and, uh, disappeared up to its uh, windows. When in... your flight turns into a cruise. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds uh, me of LaGuardia. You get, a, you get that opportunity a lot there. Oh, man. Yeah. I bet. Mm. Much shorter runways, though. What I thought was fascinating about when that uh, 74 went off the end was that uh, in order to start operating, they had to get rid of the fin because it was sticking up in <laughs> in the way at the end of the runway. So uh, they sent their uh, special forces out there and they blew it off. <laughs> yeah. No, they did. And, and it was Take care of this. That yeah. 400 was brand spanking new. Oh, it was, it was, it was just, it had just been picked up by, uh, by, by the Erland when, when that happened. Yeah. Oopsies. And, um, yeah. And it was, um, talking about that. I remember, I think it was back in 2008 or 2009, a similar situation, well, not similar, but, uh, something, something, something like it, uh, that Iberia 340 600 that landed at the old Quito airport and, um, went off the end of the runway there. And the air, the airplane, was parked there for more than a couple of months 
uh, because the the airline didn't know whether it had been a complete hull loss or not, and they were actually looking at pulling at uh, you know, pulling it out of there and fixing it and flying it out. And so what the airport did is obviously a couple of things. You know, they 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 took out the 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 localizer portion of the ILS. There was no ILS going in there, and this is before the days of uh, of uh, RNAV approaches. So it was. Uh, when this, you know, five thirty, six o'clock hour at night came around, it was quite tricky because all you really had was a VOR approach with a very, very dodgy VOR and particularly high minimums in a high altitude airport. So that was always interesting. And then also the airport actually shortened the runway uh, <laughs> and they painted this, this, this white line to to uh to you know just to to show where the end of the runway was because now all calculations were made as that being the end of the runway to be able to clear that Iberia 340 that 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 sat there so that was that was interesting they didn't blow out uh, the uh the, the fin on that one because I think that would have uh, might have been easier you know <laughs> no I officially there'd never been any uh hull losses uh in flight and I think no no, been... no not in flight not in so, flight. but that uh, was but that was the first uh, 340-600 hull loss. Yeah, they, they just, you know, just never flew again. Actually, I saw that happen. I, I was, I was there. I was the plane that landed before that plane uh, went off the end of the run. Oh, it was your fault then. <laughs> it was my wake. It was my wake turbulence. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's all your fault. <laughs> wow. Well, good discussion. Thank you, Captain Peter. Uh, kind of clears things up for us. Oh, and uh, my friend uh, Captain Nigel knows of Captain Peter, but I don't think they ever actually worked together. But they were oh. in the same airline at exactly the same time oh, for cool. many years. Very small world. Yep. Hmm. Very good. Next time, George says, Hi, Nick. This is for Nick. I love the plain tales about flight jackets. I really love my A2 jacket that I got from USA Wings about five years ago. Here, let me show that there on the screen. I can't see the jacket. All I can see is a beautiful phantom. Well, there's a jacket there. You just have to kind is, of focus. Are you sure? All yeah. I can see is a phantom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he got this from, and he gave me... <laughs> he gave us a, a link to uswings.com um so a, a link that will take you right to his jacket uh back when i left the air force 33 years ago they were still using nomex jackets attached as a photo of me and my favorite jacket in front of my favorite plane probably yours too stay Yay. healthy george <laughs> <laughs> He does look very good looking in that jacket. I must just, admit. Yeah, just something about a leather. I mean, I, I I wear a leather jacket to this day, and I love you know just the leather jacket as part of the uniform. I mean, here at Acme John, you can wear either a, a leather jacket or or a you know a, a black. I think it's uh, not Nomex, but it's like a fleece jacket. Mm -hmm. And a lot of a lot of the guys and gals actually opt out of the leather jacket because it can be a little bulky and i understand that but i'm just so used to carrying it around and just something about a leather jacket and i think that the more you wear it the more you carry it around the more weathered it gets and the nicer it gets you know and it's just you know nice soft leather i've had mine for, for a long time in the late 80s when i was when i was in the u.s air force uh before i left just right before i left like a, maybe a year or two they started making and providing the um the leather jackets again for a certain for certain um, commands, I think uh, 
the bomber command or whatever we talk, called it, strategic air command, that sort of thing. Uh, they didn't offer them to us uh, air traffic, uh, I'm sorry, um, air training command pukes. But uh, so I never got one. Oh, well. All right. Thank you, George. Uh, by the way, George um, is the oh, I'm surprised he didn't provide a link to his show. Uh, he's, so, he's so modest. Ready for takeoff. He's the host of the uh, Ready for Takeoff podcast. So check it out. I'll make sure I have a link to his great show in the show notes. Uh, moving on. Um, Tom Seagraves in, in uh, Kansas City or actually in uh, Missouri not too far from Kansas City. Uh, howdy, APG crew. I hope this feedback finds you all well. A few episodes back and two, two episodes in a row, Dr. Steph mentioned, yeah, she won't talk, quit talking about it, uh, that she was able to do some flying in a Kodiak. I remember reading about the Kodiak and flying magazine several years ago, and I thought it seemed like a very capable airplane. I haven't thought much about it since then, mainly because I never saw one since then. Recently, though, I stumbled upon a YouTube channel of a guy that flies the Kodiak over in Papua New Guinea. When Dr. Steph mentioned the Kodiak, I thought that there may be some folks in the ABG community that might want to see it in action. Ryan, uh, also known as Missionary Bush Pilot, flies the Kodiak in and out of some pretty interesting places. And he does a good job of explaining what he what he's doing. Anyway, I put a link below to his YouTube channel if anybody wants to check it out. As always, thanks for a great podcast, Blue Skies, and God bless. Tom Seagraves. And uh, we'll have the link to that channel in the uh, show notes. And I've watched a few of his videos. Very, mm -hmm. very interesting flying. Oh, yeah. He's doing. yeah. I mean, that's what that plane is made to do. You know, get in and out of some some. Like you said, interesting places. So interesting yeah. runway conditions, yeah. interesting environments, and uh, it's exceptionally capable. It can do that. So. Wow. Yep. It's, it's uh, not not that I'm old or anything, but that's a uh, that's a young man's game. I don't, uh, I don't think I'd be, I don't think I'd be doing that. And I never, I never, I never did. I've, I never did fly anything like that. But I mean, my my, I've seen, I've gone through that channel, seen some of the videos. Mm -hmm. and, oh, it gives man, me. That. Gives me the heebie-jeebies, all yeah, the terrain and everything that he's flying over. Like and like, oh, really close man. to stuff and really short-looking and interesting yeah. surfaces to land on. But yeah. Yeah. Check That's it out. need folks. to tackle. Yeah, you need yeah, to check it out. Do. All right. Uh, Ahmad uh, says, hello, fellow APGers. Hope all of you are doing great. I was just thinking of a few members who uh, mentioned in the past their challenge with catching up with the rest of the crew uh, through... Uh, so many past episodes, and I thought I'd give them some visual encouragement. See the attached video, which you are welcome to play and share on the show. So let me hit the video overlay, and uh, no, no sound here. Just um, it, it's a, a picture of his or a video of his app and how he keeps up with the APG episodes. So here we go. Let's see what happens here. There it is in the middle there. He's uh, selecting something. Can't read it. so small. APG bookmark. And then he has all the APG episodes that he has last listened to and the one that he's currently listening to. He's a very organized person. I know. Doesn't want to miss a one. So there you go. Very cool. Thank you, Ahmad, for uh, sending us the little video of your navigation on your android phone that's a big feature didn't know you could play videos yeah uh-oh now we're in trouble oh wow 
It's limited to, I think it's a maximum of five minutes. Okay. Um, anywho, uh, I'm also in the catching up business, and so far the COVID-19 related traffic jams, security and health personnel checking all motorists when commuting to work and home have been immensely helpful. My catch-up rate has gone up significantly. Listening to the show while commuting really helps. Hands-free while driving, of course. In the video... I thought he'd written hands-free driving. <laughs> Safety Sorry, Fred. Sorry. Hands-free while Just driving. Just the way you're supposed to. Oh, yeah. He's, he's steering with his, his knees. That works. Yeah. yeah. You got options there. You got yeah. options. Uh, in the video, you'll notice that I'm listening from the back end, uh, the 230 series, where I really am at the moment, as well as the middle and somewhere not far behind the current episodes. It's very possible to catch up, and our far behind members shouldn't despair. I'm using the app Podca Podcast Addict to get and listen to the shows. P.S. I love the dynamic album art that changes with the topic being discussed. Podcast Addict shows this neat feature. Whoever came up with that idea is a really cool person. My hat goes off to the effort slash innovation. Take care, guys. Love you all as much as I love the show. And again, that's uh, Ahmad Dan Hamadou from Abuja, Nigeria. And uh, thank you. We love you, too. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think most of the podcast clients out there do support the, uh, the chapter's uh, implementation. And I started doing that, I don't know, a few shows back. And little extra work, but I think it's worth it. If, um, you know, you're, if your podcast player supports it, it's kind of cool sometimes to, it's great in the car when, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you look at it, your screen and you see the pictures It's good mm. while you're doing your hands free driving. Yes. While you're, <laughs> while you're steering with your knees. Well, you're definitely yeah. not looking at your podcast <laughs> app while you're driving <laughs> at the nice artwork that shows up for each chapter. Well, I'm uh, used to it, but we didn't have to worry about things like that. <laughs> All right. I'm going to share something with everybody. I hope that we're not going to get in trouble for playing this. I'm probably not going to play the whole thing. It's about five minutes long. Um, but uh, it's it's funny. And um, it's a little teaser uh, video. And uh, <laughs> oh, that's all I'll say about it. So here we go. Lama International Airlines, 1996, not for redistribution. Welcome to part one of the Lama International Airlines flight crew induction course. In this video, we'll be looking at the standard operating procedures when flying our brand new 737-800 aircraft. Whether you've just got your wings or are transferring from another airline, this video will familiarize you with our aircraft and procedures. When you arrive at the aircraft for your first turn of the day, you may find there is no jetway or stairs attached to the aircraft doors. In this scenario, you may be required to flag down a passing baggage handler and request a leg up to open the door and climb in. He's being boosted inside the Once aboard, front door. make your way to the cockpit and wake any sleeping flight crew, <laughs> politely asking them to leave the aircraft. <laughs> <laughs> he throws the pilots out. The minimum equipment list on any Lama International Airlines flight is as follows. The front section of the aircraft. <laughs> at least one working engine. Coffee maker. 
two times five kilogram bags of llama feed. If one of these NEL items are unserviceable, do your best not to bring attention to the issue, and instead attempt to distract your colleagues with alarming phrases, such as, we're getting a pay raise to $12 an hour next month, and I think both engines are operating normally. <laughs> okay, so that gives you a little a little taste of this. I mean, you got to watch the whole thing. Good. In fact, yeah. they're so clever that at the very end, they actually have outtakes, which really aren't <laughs> outtakes. They, they had to create the outtakes. Uh, very, very funny. I got to watch it again. Uh, by the way, I should have mentioned that uh, Scott sent that in, Scott Bennett. He said, uh, enjoy uh, the humor. So uh, he basically just uh, shared the uh, the YouTube link. Um, good stuff. So, Rick, you were shaking your head like you've seen this before. Yeah, I have. I have it. It's, it's like you, I, uh, I saw. He it. made it. I could. I could. <laughs> I, I not not that there's any airlines like you know like that out there, but uh, pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not really. Sort of. Yeah. Anyway, very very clever um, little video, animated video that you should check out for sure. If you don't do anything else, make sure you check that out. Well, thank you, Scott, for that. Um, Rick writes in with some not-so-great news. Not unexpected, though. Uh, Rick lives in Reno, Nevada. Rick Goble. Captain Jeff and crew, the Reno air races have been canceled for 2020. Let the community know. Thanks for the great show. Best regards, Rick. Longtime listener in Reno. Well, you know what? Expect us next year, Rick. I hope you have a big house for us all for the crew and the community. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's a possibility. I mean, we were, we were just assuming that we could stay with you. Yeah. 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 Hopefully. But, uh, <laughs> and this year, it's just the year that should never have been. I know. Right. Yeah. Looking. Oh, well, we'll get through it. We will. Yeah, get through we'll, get through it. It. well, you know, hindsight's 2020. Yeah. It is. <laughs> All right. Gosh. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. More. Very disappointed looks on the faces of my fellow crew members. Uh, Jonathan, item number 10. Dear Captain Jeff and crew, here's a follow-up on a story you all discussed at length recently, and I must say, it's even more terrifying than we thought. One in three pilots in Pakistan hold fake licenses, and the government knows. Here's a link from uh, CNN. Um, and you know, I don't know if we need to dwell on that anymore, but um, we'll provide the link for you in the show notes. In other news, my family and I are considering our first flight since COVID started. We live in Minneapolis, where, as of this writing, the cases have been trending down for several weeks. And we'd be going to Montana, where cases have been really, really low, but are growing somewhat. Seems relatively safe, and there's some extra motivation to get out there now, and it seems worth the risk. Because of the way my work schedule was this year, and then COVID, it's been over six months since I've stepped on a plane. Too long, if you ask me. Hopefully things stay stable, and we'll still feel comfortable taking that flight. And again, this is Jonathan in Minneapolis. So he's probably looking for some encouragement from us. Do it. Yeah. Yeah, I've taken several flights, and it's been fine. I mean, just you know, proper precautions, as Nick is demonstrating there, where you're face covering, wash your hands frequently, try not to spend any uh, any longer than you have to standing next to people. And most importantly, make sure you're wearing clothes. Wear your clothes. Awesome. Yeah. Although if you don't wear clothes, then the COVID doesn't attach to them. Yeah. And you'll is make- that how that works? 
I don't know. Yeah, you have to wash your body for 20 seconds. <laughs> Just continually douse yourself in, hand, in sanitizer. There you go. <laughs> Don't forget all the little And then creases. you'll be too slippery to be caught by the cops. Be <laughs> <laughs> the slippery crazy guy. <laughs> it brings new meaning to slippery slope. Yep. Doesn't it? I'll, I'll step away from that one. Yeah. All right, Jonathan. I think you have uh, overwhelming encouragement from the crew that just take the appropriate precautions and you'll be fine and have a good time. And please let us know how that uh, vacation works out in Montana. Yeah, good luck. Hope you don't catch nothing. Don't forget there are other things out there, not just COVID-19. What? (laughs) There are. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mm. Okay. Well, maybe the precautions will work for those things, too. Never know your luck. Yep. Eleven. Michael says, Michael Steves, A, you asked if the Satabria was aerobatic. The answer is in the name. Try spelling it backwards. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Can I try saying it backwards? Yeah. Yes. Aerobatic. You got it. Oh, there you go. So that's pretty cool. That, uh, that is very cool. I didn't actually know that. Oh, wow. I think I knew that at one point a long, long time ago that I'd forgotten. I knew that. I remember us talking the, about the Satabria, but I don't remember all the stuff we were saying about it. Yeah, anyway. I think we were you were talking about the tail dragger experience. Yeah, and I was talking uh, about that, and yeah. someone was asking about its yeah, aerobatic it capabilities. And I was just saying I did not fly it in that capacity at that point, but right. it does. Certainly. I bet you will, though. Yeah, yeah you give can it a now little try time. flying it backwards. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that will be just, a trick. just spelling it backwards. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Good enough, good enough uh, headwind. Yeah, yeah that's right. Maybe you'll get a little. Uh, no, it's just. Yeah. Point it upwards till you run at their speed, and lo and behold, it'll go backwards then too. Yeah, it'll it go backwards. Yep. Give yourself a little bit of altitude. That would be my only recommendation. Yeah, that's that. Good, exactly. good call. Good call. <laughs> I second that absolutely. Yeah. And the people that make the airplane have actually designed it so that the tail won't snap off when you start sliding backwards. They even right. brilliant backwards. Yep. They rode backwards. It was certified backwards. Everything's backwards with that. There, backwards. Like the show. Uh, <laughs> let's see. The second thing that Michael mentions, there was a mention of the Zamperini Airport, home of the Sling Pilot Academy. The story of the namesake Louis Zamperini or Louis Zamperini is fascinating. He swam in the 1936 Olympics, then joined the U.S. Army Air Corps. He was flying a B-24 Liberator over the Pacific in 1943 when it crashed in the ocean, and he spent 47 days at sea before the remaining crew were taken prisoner by the Japanese. The book Unbroken is quite a read. Didn't they, they did a movie on that too, didn't they? They did a very good movie, which is, I, I have a, this subject suggested as a plain tale, and because so many people have, will have seen the movie mm-hmm. and know about it, I, I've resisted it, try and do things that people don't know about. So, And by the way, I th- we did receive some feedback from somebody, not specifically about this, but I think the person mentioned it, and we'll probably do this on the in the next show. Uh, but they the the person said that he thinks that the class Bravo No guy, uh, mm. his home airport is uh, Zamperini Airport. <laughs> oh, very <laughs> so, interesting. Yeah, wow. um, and the class B guy is unbroken. Yeah, so far. Uh, so, so far, we, yeah, yeah. That, that remains to be seen. We, yeah. we believe, possibly. <laughs> Nobody has heard from him for a while. Yeah, I think the feds have a you know, different idea. 
Along that same vein, uh, Warren, item 12, says, I enjoyed this episode of APG and recommend you check out the remarkable Louis Amperini story popularized in the 2014 book movie Unbroken, as we just mentioned. Uh, Olympic track star Louis Samperini becomes a pilot during World War II and endures a brutal struggle for survival when he is captured by the Japanese. Thanks for your show, which is a great respite from the mostly depressing current events flooding the airways. Warren. Yep, that's one of the reasons why we're here, Warren. That and we don't have anything else to do. But No, particularly uh, me. I've got nothing to do. <laughs> not a lot going on for me. Nah, not a lot going on. I've been busy, but I'll always make time for you guys. Absolutely. Aww, yeah. Aww. Thank you. Uh, that is sweet. All right. Um, oh, got some uh, feedback from Owen. He's in the chat room as well. Oh, good. He hey, is. Owen. Oh, there he is. I just I see his name right there. Okay. Uh, so let's read Owen's feedback. Hi, ABG crew. It's been a while since I've sent in some feedback. I'm also only just catching up on the current episodes with all this time I've been having away from my normal office in the skies. I wanted to comment on something I heard in episode 429 when you were discussing the A319 windshield blowout in China. More specifically, on a point Captain Rick brought up. In the interest of keeping the accuracy levels above 50 or at 50%, I'll add to some things that he said. Rick was talking about passenger oxygen systems, and he said that they are all chemical. However, out of the aircraft that I've been qualified to fly on, there are two exceptions to that statement. The A380 and some of the newer 777s, although only in first-class suites and first-class toilets. Uh, and then these aircraft oxygen tanks are carried, so it's held in a gaseous state. There are between 3 and 15 tanks on the A380, a fact that comes from the manufacturer. I'm not sure what it is at my company. They may not be the only ones that exist, but they're the only commercial passenger aircraft that I know of with gaseous passenger oxygen systems. Of course, the, now he's talking about modern aircraft. Uh, the older ones, like the 727 and the I think the L-1011, too, uh, had gaseous uh, oxygen on them. Um, let's see. On the A380, if the oxygen masks are pulled when the system hasn't been activated, activated either automatically with the cabin altitude or electronically from the flight deck, it will do absolutely nothing. There's a pin that needs to be pulled from the mechanism, which is what happens when the mask gets pulled. At that point, the pipes are all open, but without the regulator open at the tanks, nothing will flow through. If masks deploy accidentally, just one or two, we just make sure that the pin is still in place. And if it is, we don't really have anything to do or we really don't have to do anything as it's still a functioning mask. We as crew don't put it back up into the panel because the way they are folded in the panel is specific, so they don't get tangled when they drop. That gets left to the engineers, apparently. My guess is that it has to do more with accountability. But either way, if the pin is in, a decompression does happen and the masks are activated, then you pull the mask, the pin pops out, and it works as normal. Another difference that this A380 drop-down PAC's oxygen system has with traditional chemical systems is that the duration is also dependent upon, A, the amount of masks that have been pulled with the pins released, and B, the altitude as the oxygen system computer unit will reduce the amount of oxygen flowing to the masks as the aircraft cabin altitude gets lower. At 10,000 feet cabin altitude, the oxygen stops flowing to the masks. Fun fact, 
The high-density A380s that I operate on carry 615 passengers and 972 passenger oxygen masks. And he says, I counted. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, I Did you have that, some extra time on your hand? I think so. <laughs> I, I find that hard to believe, Owen. You really counted 972. Yeah. Sure, that's a lot uh, of masks. That's a lot of But masks. Owen, he's, a, he's an honest guy, so maybe he really did. Yeah, mm. I believe him. Okay. Don't forget he's half Irish. <laughs> <laughs> Hope that was a bit of interesting technical information for you on the A380 that you might not have known. I didn't have any idea, actually. I didn't either. Last, I know some of the stuff I've said covers what happens in an in inadvertent deployment of masks. But for anyone flying on an aircraft, if you ever see that mask, whether you think it's correct that it has dropped or not, pull it sharply towards you and put it over your mouth and nose before helping others. So pull it sharply towards you and put it over your own mouth and nose before helping. I, I know what he's referring to. We've seen pictures. Of the yeah, oxygen there mask. was a particular flight where uh, they did drop down and they <laughs> just over their mouth, not yeah, so much just, their nose. Yep. Oh, boy. And he ends with uh, some kind of Irish phrase, and let me see if I can pronounce it, le gui, which uh, means, and he, he spelled that out uh, phonetically for me, uh, Owen, your friendly, friendly friend flight attendant. And uh, this phrase, le gok jan gui, means with every best prayer, although it's, in Irish it's also homonymic with the phrase, with every favorable wind, which I quite like. Nice, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, right, I mean, I, I, I didn't know that the uh, 380 had a, a separate text, but it, it, I guess now that I think about it, it wouldn't make sense for... For the uh, for the first class suites to have that uh, that arrangement there, uh, the triple seven freighter. I remember it also has. I'm, I'm, and I can't think if the if the dash eight does. Probably not. But the 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 freighter, the triple seven freighter for sure has a an oxygen tank for the crew, and then one for the supernumeraries or or the uh, or, or the folks sitting in the uh, in the supernumerary area. So. Uh, the oxygen masks there are not uh, chemical. They are, in fact, just like the 380 system here, which which makes sense. Uh, but yeah, I was exactly I was I was talking about the 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 319 system. So that does need have the chemical system where you need to pull it for it to for this pin to strike and for the chemical reaction to begin. Uh, but interesting, interesting system on the 380. I had no idea. Yeah, I've always wondered why uh, airliners don't have liquid oxygen because we used to have that in uh, some of my fighters, and it's a very compact system, liquid oxygen, uh, and for a very small volume, Wait. provides a great deal of oxygen. Uh, well, I don't think so. I don't think it, hmm. it was a, a weight problem. Uh, fighters are very weight sensitive, so yeah, mm -hmm. you don't want to give up stuff that you don't need to have um I, I, there's probably a good practical reason it's just a bit of a probably a bit of a pain getting liquid oxygen all around yeah, the world. I would, yeah logistics i, think, I, would I think, think yeah i would think the uh, serviceability of the system yeah. you know yeah. and the yeah. fact that you've got to have people with you know special gloves and stuff to recharge locks but uh, whereas if you yeah. have these 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 chemical um uh, generators if they're there they're there and as long as they had as as long as the pin hasn't you know 
uh, yeah. initiated the reaction, then that's, it's going to happen. It's going to, it's going to work regardless. So mm. yeah, that's, that's my guess. All right. Well, thank you very much, Owen. Always good to hear from you. Oh, by the way, I, I, was it the last episode? I think it was, or the, the one before where I said to send, uh, if we have offended you to send email to <laughs> yes. I'm offended at airlinepilotguy.com. Well, and I may have mentioned on the last show that Owen actually did a test of it while we were doing the show and it actually <laughs> works. So I think I have a catch all, uh, for, for the email to airline pilot guy. So anyway, by the way, so you if know, you're offended. Yes. If you're offended, just uh, send that to I'm offended at airlinepilotguide.com. And uh, now, speaking of offended, uh, the whole crew is going to offend you with our stories about uh, watering holes and such. And uh, this time now for this week's installment of the Old Pilot's Plain Tales, this one entitled The Auger Inn and Other Fine Establishments. All right. Old Pilots Plain Tales, the Auger Inn and other fine establishments. I've talked a lot about alcohol over the past few Plain Tales, and mainly about the negative aspects, but it remains one of the few socially acceptable drugs that we can imbibe, with the obvious caveat that we do so with care, especially for pilots. Nevertheless, it's been around since the Stone Age and jugs that carried fermented drinks have been found in the Neolithic period, over 10,000 years before Christ and his celebrated conversion of water into wine. Indeed, the oldest purpose-built brewery was found in a cave near Haifa in Israel, where a residue of 13,000-year-old beer made from wheat and barley was discovered. The ancient Chinese drank beer and wine made variously from grapes, hawthorn berries, honey and rice. The ancient Egyptians, Sumerians, Greeks, Babylonians, Indians and Romans, to name just a few, were all renowned for producing quality wines and beers. Proverbs 31, 6-7 of the Hebrew Bible recommends giving alcoholic drinks to those who are dying or depressed so that they can forget their misery. In the European Middle Ages, beer, wine and cider was an everyday drink for all classes and ages of people, and it was recorded that even nuns were given an allowance of six pints of ale a day. Native Americans fermented various beverages long before the Europeans settled their lands, and the Sub-Saharan Africans could brew a mean palm wine. Early sailors of the Royal Navy made stale water palatable by mixing it with various forms of alcohol, until the daily ration of half a pint of rum was written into regulations. It wasn't until 1970 that the daily grog ration was discontinued, which may not have been a bad thing for a modern fighting force, since the Royal Navy rum was 95.5% proof, or 54.6% alcohol by volume. With our propensity for travelling the world, fighter jocks, trash haulers, airline crews and the rest have always managed to find some fascinating watering holes too frequent to let the stress of the day gently drain away in convivial company over a drink or two. 
With that in mind, I asked the crew to tell me about one or two of their favourite establishments, and I'm sure that you, dear listener, might have some special ones to share with us as well. Dr. Steff tells me that... At first I was really excited about this assignment from Nick. It's a really cool idea to put together a compilation of our favourite bars and watering holes from all around the world to share with you. But my excitement quickly turned to a bit of concern as I realised that, despite my love of all things IPA, I really don't spend a lot of time in bars. I found myself struggling to think if there's any place I would even consider a regular favourite of mine. But as I considered where I would take my friends, if they were back in one of the various places I consider my hometown, I realised that there are a few places worthy of mention. The first is actually a place I've been going to well before I was of legal drinking age. Really, Steph? Don't worry, I wasn't actually consuming alcohol in bars before the legal age of 21 here in the States. This particular bar is called Molly Greens and it sits at the base of Brighton Ski Resort just outside of Salt Lake City, Utah. It's situated on the upper level of an A-frame building and when I would go skiing with my family in my youth we would eat our brown bag lunches in the picnic-like area they had set up on the downstairs level. Occasionally, we would be allowed to order food from the bar upstairs. Nachos or a pizza were a real treat. And sometimes, if I was there one-on-one with one of my parents, we would be allowed to sit quietly at one of the tables upstairs, even though, at the time, the bar was subject to the private club rules of Utah. Looking back, I'm not sure I can count how many times I've been to Molly Green's. Brighton Ski Resort is a favourite of mine, and the view from the restaurant looking up at the surrounding powder-capped peaks, usually with intertwined, freshly carved ski tracks, is just magnificent. The interior has the feel and decor of a cosy mountain cabin retreat, complete with a central fireplace for warming up on a cold day. And it doesn't hurt that they offer a fantastic selection of local Utah ales. Yes, Utah makes good craft beer. Nowadays, a typical day on the slopes for me includes at least several stops at Molly Greens, usually for a midday thirst quencher, again for lunch and later for après ski. If you happen to find yourself contemplating a ski trip to Utah, do yourself a favour and check out Brighton Ski Resorts. It's a bit off the typical tourist map but you'll find a friendly and accessible mountain, great people, and of course, Molly Greens. I mentioned that I could think of a couple of bars worth sharing, but I think I've probably used enough time for this particular plain tale. Hopefully, if there's interest, Nick will make this into a bit of a series, and we can add a few more along the way. Cheers, y'all! Miami Rick remembers a wonderful-sounding watering hole in the subcontinent, the Aero Club of East Africa. Tucked away at the Wilson Airport in Kenya's capital Nairobi is perhaps one of the most overlooked jewels in aviation. As you walk through a set of old weathered wooden French doors under the club's wing insignia and pass a now silent Pratt & Whitney R985 Wasp Junior Radial Engine, 
your eyes can't seem to find a spot to look at for more than a second or two. The entryway is richly decorated with all sorts of old relics, airplane components and aviation maps of yesteryear. As my gaze wanders from spot to spot in a futile attempt to take it all in, the scent of this magical place starts to register. It's a quite peculiar combination of what seems to be Cavendish tobacco, bourbon, cigarette smoke, aviation gasoline and wood polish. Perhaps because of all the wood panelling that adorns the place. I slowly make my way through priceless artefacts, trying to picture in my mind the old aviators responsible for the smell of tobacco and bourbon I just smelled ten feet back. It's like I can almost hear the stories, the conversation and the laughter. Behind an old wooden bar, off to the side, a gentleman notices my presence and my mouth ajar, and invites me over to sit. His name is Willie, and has, by his account, been stationed behind that very bar for the last 42 years. Oh, the stories this gentleman must have. He pours me a generous glass of Glenlivet 25, and as I bring the libation to my lips, I recognise the smell as exactly what I sensed in the entryway. Willie carries on with story after story, and I feel like I've hit the jackpot. This kind old man, who seems almost relieved I walked in, shares countless tales of old aviators now long gone, the history and significance of the Aero Club, and how it shaped African aviation. His storytelling abilities are phenomenal, although I do suspect the 5,564-foot elevation and a mild case of jet lag had some influence on my amusement. Sadly, I had an early departure to Abu Dhabi the following morning, or I would have most decidedly stayed the entire night listening and trading stories with the aviators that still make this amazing watering hole a regular stop. As I left, a plaque on the wall caught my eye. It said, Old pilots never die. They just hang out in the aero club. Very fitting as I'm sure you can still hear them through the hallways, just as I did that day. Oh, if those walls could talk. Captain Jeff has great memories from his Air Force days. When I think of the great bars that I've been to in my life, I think of many, most of which were experienced by me during my time in the US Air Force. Hickam Air Force Base Officers Club the Kaneohe Bay Marine Corps Air Station O Club, Marine Corps Air Station Miramar Officers Club, Top Gun, and many more. If I had to narrow it down to two, I'd start with the most exotic, and exotic it was because of its location. A chain of islands in the middle of the Indian Ocean, 500 miles south of the Maldives, and thousands of miles from any continent, called the Chagos Archipelago, part of the British Indian Ocean Territory. In it, a picturesque atoll named Diego Garcia, home to a US Air Force base. At the northernmost tip of the atoll's western coral rim sits the Diego Garcia's Officers Club. It's a very casual building with large open-air decks that overlook the Indian Ocean. The views are truly breathtaking. 
Another watering hole that I put on my list of Jeff's top two bars is one with much more history. Located deep in the heart of Texas, on Randolph Air Force Base in San Antonio, arguably one of the most beautiful bases in terms of its architecture, is the Randolph Air Force Base Officers Open Mess. We're not there yet, though. After entering the front door to the right, walk down the stairs to the basement level. After allowing your eyes to adjust to the relative darkness, keep walking past the barber's shop to the far end of the basement and look for the Auger Inn. Taking its name from an old World War I aviation term, referring to the act of spiralling down to earth out of control after being shot down by the enemy, Many a modern-day aviator has done the same in this historic stag bar. Two orange and white parachutes are draped across the ceiling with three-foot plywood models of aircraft flown at Randolph over the years, along with squadron patches that are displayed along its walls. I spent many a night at the Auger whilst attending PIT, Pilot Instructor Training, in 1985 and its walls saw many a rousing beer call. Producer Liz spent virtually the whole of her working life in the financial district in downtown Toronto, known as Bay Street. She told me that going out for drinks after work was certainly a thing they did often, and Thursdays was the most popular day each week to head for one of the many watering holes. There were two places on extremes of the spectrum when it came to bars. The first was a classic dive bar in the basement of a somewhat sketchy downtown hotel, the Strathcona on York Street. When someone said, let's head for the Strath, everyone knew what we were going for. A dark and somewhat dingy place where you could enjoy inexpensive drinks served by mature waiters who had seen it all and always had a wisecrack or somewhat raunchy joke to tell. It was loud and smoky back in the days when smoking was allowed and a place you could definitely let your hair down. The Strathcona is still there and the pub, as they now call it, is still in the basement but it's been renovated and is much sleeker and more modern, a far cry from the Strath I once frequented. Another great place to go when we were feeling more flush was the library bar in the Royal York Hotel on Front Street. The Royal York is one of the grand railway hotels built by the Canadian Pacific and Canadian National Railways in many locations across Canada. The Chateau Frontenac in Quebec City, the Chateau Loria in Ottawa, the Banff Springs and Chateau Lake Louise in the Rockies, and many more. These are all amazing places from a bygone era. The Royal York is a huge hotel right across the street from Union Station. It's been renovated and beautifully maintained over the years and has an amazing atmosphere, offering many food and drink options. The library bar is right off the grand front lobby and is a cosy, dark wood panelled room with a calm, hushed atmosphere and a gorgeous bar. Cocktails are served by experienced bartenders and renowned mixologists. So glad it hasn't changed over the years.
Well, thanks, crew, for all those lovely memories, and I just have time to add a couple of my own. The first is one that, sadly, isn't open to all in sundry, so it's unlikely you'll get to visit the big room in the Royal and Ancient Golf Club of St Andrews in Scotland, the home of golf. For a few years, when I served at the nearby RAS station, I was honoured with the chance to use the RNA as a house member. Behind the tall bay windows of the impressive curved frontage, the members would chat over a few drinks, perhaps some rare kummel, a smooth, clear, caraway-flavoured liquor, double distilled, historically in the Duchy of Prussia. It's a common drink found in most of the elite Scottish golf clubs. The big room was the heart of the club, and on its walls hung some of the finest works of golfing art in the world. The lockers, going back to the 1850s, which surround the walls, were used by the longest-serving members. The big room never stooped to a bar. One had to catch the eye of an old retainer in a white jacket, who would discreetly take an order and then return with your drink on a silver platter. I never tired of sipping something special while sitting in an overstuffed armchair, watching the nervous swings of golfers teeing off from beside the starter's box of the old course right outside the windows. Finally, I feel obliged to mention one of the most disgusting but delightful bars in the world, the truck, or as most American crews called it, the trailer parked on a bit of rough ground near the airport and the crew hotels. This was the last stop of the determined drinker in Narita, Japan. After an evening that, in my case, started with a cheery shout from Hiroshi as we crowded into the Flyers Bar, moved on to the Bon Cafe, sometimes called the Spiral Staircase for those who couldn't read, for an all-you-could-eat teppanyaki, and then into the Barge Inn, so named after the problem some locals had in pronouncing Virgin, since Richard Branson was a part owner. At kick-out time there used to be just one place that would still be open, and there was a waiting bus to take you there. The truck was, literally, the back end of an articulated lorry that had been turned into a karaoke bar. Crowded into the gloomy interior were many pie-eyed pilots, accompanied by a steamy collection of tipsy flight attendants from all corners of the world, all crammed together. Sweaty bodies rubbed against each other, there was no alternative, and the frequent forays to the bar meant forcing a way through a rugby scrum of curvaceous ladies to return with many sapporos held over your head, giving everyone you passed a little beer shower. The only toilet facility was a deep storm drain around the back and in the pitch black. Sadly, many a swaying pilot or squatting flight attendant overbalanced into the disgusting muddy mess to return looking awful and smelling worse. Ah, those were the days. Over the years, the truck was improved and enlarged, but sadly now it no longer opens. In those early days, though, it was undoubtedly the best.
disgusting and delightful. That's the way I think of our APG crew. Uh, yes. Wow. Of course. That was, that was a lot of great memories. All that. Yeah, I loved it. It was just getting a little bit of an inkling of what we all liked. I can just see Liz in the beautiful library bar, sipping a, a lovely whiskey mm-hmm. and talking money with her money colleagues after um, having just fired or- somebody. <laughs> <laughs> And that was right up your street, Rick. That uh, that fantastic sounding bath, so full of history. And as for Jeff, what can we say? The Auger Inn, yes. Well, mm. well definitely. There's some dodgy looking characters down there, I oh, thought, yeah. Jeff. There were, yeah. I was one of them. <laughs> and if one of us is going to have a bath that's in a sporty area, it's got to be uh, Steph, isn't it? Yeah, I you got yeah. together in my world. So. Exactly right. Exactly. Yeah, you, gotta, you, you, can, you can go there, but you've got to be dressed up and do something sporty to get there. <laughs> yeah, and I'll bet that statement about, yeah, I don't like to hang around bars. Right, Steph. We all believe that. Yeah. yeah. Usually my bar is right, right there. <laughs> but thanks for all those wonderful suggestions, everybody. That was great. Well, thank you yeah, for compiling it. Yeah. Absolutely. Fun to do. Well, I perhaps just, it stirred a few other memories, and we'll have another one in a in a few yeah, weeks. Yeah, I've got one or two more. I, I can I can think of another one that, that we might want to uh, uh, talk about. It's uh, it's also in Japan, but uh, we'll leave that for 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 that occasion. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have to say that the Japanese bars are all very uh, one off, aren't they? There's very few that you get to experience anywhere else in the world. Oh, a lot yeah. of them are brilliant. It's it's, an, it's an interesting place. Yeah. I have to say, when when Nick suggested that we do this as a crew, I thought, well, this will be nice and easy. And then when I, you know, like started to put pen to paper or or type out on the computer, I'm thinking, this is more difficult than I thought it'd be. Especially after I read Rick's, I thought that yeah. that must have been something that he got from some book that you know some famous writer had written. I'm thinking, <laughs> oh no, that's actually his own words. Darn, that's I have to really old, up my the, game the old, here. The old hamster, the old hamster typing out. Yeah, you know, my head. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, and yeah, I, I felt a lot of peer pressure. I have to has to be said. Uh, <laughs> and as as um, Nick mentioned, uh, and will mention again here, please, uh, if for you listening, if you have any really exotic or unusual places that are your favorites, uh, please don't hesitate to send them in as feedback. Feedback at airlinepilotguide.com. All right. Very good. Oh, I enjoyed that one. We'll have to do a part two at least, right? Sure. Absolutely. Okay. Um, I believe we left off with Owen, so let's hit 14. Steve in Pittsburgh. He said, hello, APG crew. I was watching some old Monty Python this weekend, and one of the sketches, he's, he's going to give us a link there, uh, made me think of a question for the crew, but probably best answered by Rick, since he's the current long haul guy. I'd imagine when you're on an eight-plus-hour flight at cruising altitude and on autopilot, there isn't much to do. And just sitting and staring at the instruments would be mind-numbingly boring. What do you do to pass the time on long-haul flights? Practice your golf swing? Work on your gymnastics routine? I kid, but it's just something I've been wondering. I'd imagine whatever you do, it can't consume too much of your attention. Forgive me if this has been asked before in a previous episode. I'm still a fairly new listener. Now, I have to tell you, Steve, 
instead of answering this, we're going to go ahead and make you just listen to all the previous episodes, see if you can find out the many times that we've answered this question. Yes. No, actually, we're not going to do that. <laughs> all right. Uh, so wh- what do you say there, Rick? Uh, what do you do? Are you practicing your golf swing, uh, your gymnastics routine? I do. I do. I, I, yeah. uh, I carry around a mobile gym. So I sit it, I uh, set it up in the upper deck area there. Well, at least when I flew the seven, four and, uh, just do some, uh, bench pressing. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Obviously. <laughs> um, so well, uh, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's, it, it gets a little, uh, you know, gets a little monotonous up there after hour number, you know, seven. And so, um, what I do is you just, you know, just, just read a lot. Um, or a, a lot of, uh, what other guys and, and gals do just, just like myself is you carry around, uh, noise canceling headsets. And, uh, usually what I do is I'll put my, uh, I wear the old school telex in ear, kind of like, uh, you know, the NASA controllers back in the uh, late, uh, sixties, early seventies. So you put those in your ears and I put the, the headband around my neck and I'll put the, uh, the headphones on top of that obviously so that i don't miss any any calls from atc not that you'd get any uh in the middle of nowhere but uh, just in case um because you're constantly monitoring uh 121.5 and 123.45 uh, so you always want to keep an, an ear out for that and then over over the headphones um uh you know just sometimes listen to an audiobook uh, or perhaps uh a little bit of uh you know, light music, perhaps. Um, I'm, I'm, I love listening to classical music uh, while flying, particularly at night. It's just, uh, just fantastic stuff, and it does does help uh, pass the time. It, it really does. So that's kind of what I do. But you know, what while while you're, while you're sitting up there, uh, it's 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 nice to read. I'm a big time reader as well, so I I do a bit of that as well. So uh, that, that helps, especially the books that have a lot of pictures. Exactly. You know, coloring books. I like the ones that bring the crayons, you know, to, to, to practice a creative my, outlet. Yeah. To, to practice my stain and, you know, and coloring in the line. And, uh, especially you have with, seen Air America, haven't you? Uh, that, is, that is a classic. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> so speaking of classical music, uh, a favorite uh, composer? It kind of depends. I'm, um, yeah. I am partial to late Baroque and uh, early classical. Mm hmm. Um, uh, Bach, uh, big time Mozart guy, mm-hmm. uh, I love Haydn. I love Haydn. Yep. Uh, Beethoven, the early stuff. Haydn and Seekin. Uh, Haydn, <laughs> Haydn in the toilet. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, uh, there's, there's a little bit of, uh, for, for every type of, uh, musical taste out there. I'm not, not, not too, not too, uh, not, not too big on Tchaikovsky and the later guys. I don't, I don't no, like the I'm late classical good. period. But uh, Baroque and early classical, I, I do like that. Uh, the uh, Italians, uh, uh, Corelli and Vivaldi and all those guys, uh, mm-hmm. just fantastic stuff, yeah. Our uh, producer-director, Liz, uh, enjoys Mahler. Oh. M-A-H-L-E-R, not Mahler. Mahler. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Steve in Pittsburgh continues. Uh, also, in memory of the Mad Dogs, I attach a little bonus picture for you. There we go. Um, I spotted this <laughs> bumper sticker. Oh, yeah. I like that. Like, promotional. Like, it's like give it a try. You, you'll like it. Yeah. I, it's not. It's not that bad. Try it. You'll like it. 
He says, I spotted, this, I spotted this bumper sticker a few months ago on the back of a toolbox in the restoration hangar at the Air Heritage Museum, how appropriate, at the Beaver County Airport in Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania. And to describe it, we'll have this in the show notes, of course, but uh, there's a sticker, uh, I guess probably the early days of the uh, Mad Dogs, the uh, MD, it says MD-80 with a little heart in the middle of the zero. Fly it. you like it. <laughs> And it's a just a happy cartoonish looking yeah. MD80. That's pretty it's accurate, a actually. It's suggestive cartoon, if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> well, perhaps it is, but uh, to you, most everything is. <laughs> well, it's just it's just the heart and the yeah. yeah okay. There's just a lot of love on that bumper sticker. A lot of love. Exactly. A lot of love. Quite. <laughs> I used to like the early uh, adverts our company produced. They had one specially, which was uh, uh, more experience than our name suggests. <laughs> nice <laughs> nice i like that <laughs> all right well uh thank you steve for the feedback and the picture again that'll be in the show notes or probably on your app that you're listening with right now you'll probably be looking at that sticker that we're talking about all right item number 15 is from mark and he sent this uh via our facebook page airline pilot guy uh, the best way, though, is feedback at airlinepilotguy.com if you want to be sure that we actually see it and uh, talk about it on the show. Um, why did airlines stop using the black nose in about the 80s when it was everywhere before that? Okay, so you remember the nose cones of the airplane, and there seems like mm-hmm. they're always black. And so uh, Liz was telling me that Mark was asking about it, and I'm thinking, you know, just right off the right off hand, I'm thinking there might it might have something to do with the transmissivity transmissivity of the uh, Trans- transmissibility that too <laughs> yeah i just pick one of those that starts with a t and ends with a y and uh, yeah so the the radar is in that nose cone area and the uh, you know you don't want anything to hinder the the beam coming out and the and coming back and uh, so I did a little research on it just to see what the real answer is, and I came up with a couple of um, links regarding the uh, the paint used now on modern radomes. And of course, you know, none of them are metal. They're always made of some composite, usually fiberglass or something like that, so that the radar waves can make it through and back. Uh, but it looks like the technology now they use in paints uh, allow for the use of colored paints over the nose comb the ra- the nose comb the radome hmm. so i'll put a couple uh, dad you should tell me the story in the early days because uh, when he started flying airliners nobody had a, a radar at the front hmm. and when they started fitting them on the larger airliners and had the black noses uh, the airlines that couldn't afford to buy radars to fit in their aircraft um thought that they were a bit of, at a disadvantage and that the passengers you know, understanding this new technology made the aircraft safer, would want to prefer airlines with black noses. So a lot of them just painted the noses of the aircraft black. <laughs> That's pretty clever. <laughs> yeah, I thought so. So he said, all these airplanes flying around with black noses at no that, radar. That'll work. <laughs> Signed off. <laughs> all right. Wow. Well, that was a good question. Thank you, Mark. And again, I'll have those links uh, that I kind of uh, came up with in the show notes, and you can read all the all the details. 
Okay, and uh, Landon, I don't know, is Landon still with us in the chat room? I know he was there earlier. He was. Um, I haven't seen him for a while. I told he him that, quiet or had to go. Yeah, that we were going to cover his uh, feedback on today's show. And uh, so let's get on with it. It's audio feedback. Take it away, Landon. Hey, guys. APGers, Jeff, Steph, Nick, Dana, Miami Rick. Welcome back, sir. Hey, look. Um, so it is. It's uh, it's eleven twenty six uh, p.m. Uh, in California and uh, San Jose to be exact. And uh, oh yeah, this is uh, Landon. Um, I just watched a movie called Seventy Five Hundred, and my God, that movie had me on edge. And what really had me on edge is they actually got it right with this one like truly got it right it was probably the most accurate depiction of an airliner more specifically airbus a319 i mean it was it was on point um you guys can fact check this uh i know uh cap mal is um a320 21 uh 19 uh kind of guy and uh, uh it's just i i'm at a loss for words about how good this movie was sad suspenseful had me on edge for 82 of the 92 minutes of this movie uh, just all the way to the very bitter end uh it was even very accurate even from the law enforcement standpoint which is you know where i hail from um yeah it's it's awesome so uh i can highly suggest it enough to the apg community uh and i hope everybody's doing well uh all right i gotta go to bed i, I gotta work super early in the morning but um blue skies tailwinds many Cavu days. Oh, and I flew a glider for the first time. It's pretty awesome. Thanks to Nick for all his influence and in trying to convince people to uh, go out and take glider lessons. I did it, and now I'm about to be $5,000 short. Thanks, Nick. All right. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> little backhanded. Uh, Thanks. Yeah, I know. Yeah, well, that's you, Thanks for the suggestion. Now I'm broke. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Now it sounds lovely, well, Landon. I'm glad you're enjoying that. Uh, He's still here with us. Out of that movie. Yeah. yeah. Have you? Has anybody there on the crew uh, watched? I was going to try to watch it yesterday. I just ran out of time. I have no, not watched no, it. it. Is it anything either. to do with the hijack code? Yes. yes, it has everything to do with the hijack code. Okay, so it, it's not the RPM of an engine or something. It's... No, no. Okay, it's a it's definitely a suspense thriller type uh, yep. movie, I believe. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, but if, uh, but if uh, I, I imagine I haven't seen it either, but I imagine if it's uh, if it's uh, as realistic as Landon says it is, I can only picture the pilots complaining about the contract and the fact that the uh, breakfast isn't, <laughs> isn't free. So uh, that uh, like, yeah, yeah, being, being uh, hijacked. Yeah, right if they don't, gosh, if they don't say that, that then it's not really true. Yeah, exactly. Really, yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I look forward to uh, watching it, checking it out, and. Uh, Again, if you are an Amazon Prime uh, member, uh, it is available to you for free. Seventy-five. Is there anyone in the world who isn't? I don't know. I can think of one person. Oh, you? okay. You're not no, Amazon Prime. Not me. I have Amazon Prime. <laughs> oh, okay. Just someone who asked me to send stuff to them. I was like, <laughs> no, how do you not have that. this? <laughs> it's like no. 
<laughs> if the rest of the world has to have this, you have to have this. Yep. <laughs> not, okay. I just thought everybody not be not be an enabler for your. Yeah. yeah. Well, they sort of have Amazon Prime through you. <laughs> well, that's yeah. No, I cannot enable that. That's right. yeah. Okay. Excellent. Thank you, Landon, for the suggestion, and uh, have fun with that uh, gliding. Uh, let us know how that goes. Yeah, d- d- mate. Whatever we say, don't try and go around. Yeah, <laughs> you can't always go around. <laughs> not, not, not on that one. The song, the song does not apply for that one. Yes. Yeah. They have a little asterisk at the bottom yes. of that song. That's right. Yeah. It'll end be a disclaimer right at the end of the yeah, song. Not applicable to gliders. <laughs> Continuing on, Jordan writes, "Hey crew, my name is Jordan. I'm a new listener, and I've fallen in love with the podcast." I'm an aspiring pilot, hoping to start my PPL soon. Your stories are a fun inspiration, and I enjoy hearing the pilot's perspective. I one day hope to experience it. Please keep it up. Uh, Captain Jeff, I work the ACME contract at Kilo Alpha Victor Lima. uh, That's Asheville. uh, Asheville. And I love the 717. Please don't be afraid to reach out if you ever come this way. Okay, I'll open up the window and I'll reach out. See if I can find you. Um, best to you all, Jordan. And he says bonus points if you can say the last name. Uh, Jake, uh, Jacob eh? Bielski. What? Jacob Bielski. Jacob Bielski. Oh, that's an L. Jacob Bielski. Yeah. That's uh, Jordan J. JJ. JJ. I like another, that. Another, another JJ. JJ. Yeah, JJ oh, from another Asheville. Another three JJs. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Jordan. Uh, welcome aboard the uh, APG train. And um, I think you'll love it here. The community is great. So, yeah, appreciate it. And we'd it. love uh, to chat to people who are just studying their careers and mm-hmm. follow them through all the stages and cheer yep. them as you get on yeah. your first solo it's, it's, and your first license. And I love that. Yeah, absolutely just brilliant. Tag so along. let us know how you get on. You must tell yeah. us how you're doing. Absolutely. Just like Tom uh, Catalino up there in Syracuse on our mm-hmm. last episode, uh, just soloed. We do try Never. to discourage you as much as possible, but uh, if you could, <laughs> if you persist, then, uh, yeah, what can we do? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Brett says, I have a combined two feed. Oh, I've combined two feedback notes in one email. Ooh, two for one. Uh, item number one, 747 planes and interesting uses. And then he gives us a link to jumbostay.com. Mm. Hello, gang. I have a couple items for you. In a recent June show, you were talking about strange uses and setups of 747s. I was reading the recent issue of our AAA magazine. When I saw a photo of a 747 inside, and in true, lame or bad journalism, they gave no info on the plane. It is obviously permanently grounded, for there is a permanent stair tower to the cockpit and to the engines. There is part of a web address on the side of the plane, but half of it's hidden. The only part that can be made out is www.lycam, and maybe the next letter is an O. So we're not sure. Maybe somebody out there can figure that one out. Uh, It seems that this 747-200 is a hotel at the Stockholm airport, the uh, Jumbo Stay. What a clever idea. The web page appears that it might not be updated, but the cockpit is a double room and beds in place of engines and landing gear. Now, maybe you've talked about this and I missed it, but if not, then here you go. A, A spot to get away. 
I don't know if we mentioned that one specifically, but we did talk about um, several instances of big airplanes like the 747 being used for that purpose. But mm-hmm. uh, I have to check that one out. Um, the second piece of feedback you sent in, using a magnet on ICD, defibrillator, uh, APG goes medical. Also, in a recent show, the APG went medical. I should probably uh, play the uh, medical-sounding theme. I love that. By the way, just to remind everybody, uh, Nev, Neville Bounds, is the one that uh, actually came up with that for us. Thank you, sir. Um, On a recent show, the APG went medical on the topic of of deactivating a pacemaker or defibrillator with a magnet. Lucky for me, just this week, I had soldier soldier shoulder surgery that's a combination of shoulder and surgery soldier (laughs) and i am a person with icd a defibrillator that also paces heart rhythm prior to shoulder surgery my cardiologist had me come to the office for a pre-op clearance and during that uh, visit he mentioned the ortho surgery would use a magnet to deactivate my icd Then this week, as I was being prepared for surgery in the hospital, the team had the magnet conversation again, and they would hold a magnet over the defibrillator for a few seconds and deactivate its operations. They also proceeded to place backup AED-style pads on me, one on my chest and one on my back. This way, when they turned off my ICD, they didn't power me down at the same time. Preferable. Yeah. that's (laughs) They try. They always try for that. Yes. Anyway, all went well. The shoulder is fixed and the pacer defibrillator is active again and I'm back. So, ring the bell. We're now on the positive side of 50% accuracy. That's Brett Fry from the Toledo, Ohio area, the home of Jeep. Nice. That's true. Yep. That's true. Is that the Jeeps with the doors or without? (laughs) Both. It's, it's, you know, whatever floats your boat there. Either way. (laughs) Oh, your Jeep's got water. You can sit <laughs> on the lake. No, Brilliant. don't do that. But there is a very, um, it has nothing to do with anything. The American version of Top Gear, one time they turned vehicles into boats. One of them was a Jeep and they sunk it almost immediately. <laughs> <laughs> it was very funny. It was like two seconds. It gets out of it. He's like, yeah, this is going great. It was like, <laughs> 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 the fastest singing of a boat I've ever seen. So he did nah, say whatever, it. or she said, floats your boat, not floats your Jeep. Yeah. Ah, exactly. Yeah. Don't don't yeah, yeah. don't turn your jeep into a boat. <laughs> boat. No. Because it won't float. No. Oh, that rhymes. Mm. So, what do you think, there, Steph? Um, anything to add or subtract? Um, nope. That's all accurate. And I mean, there's a lot you could go into in terms of what the the magnet actually does in terms of uh, turning off or or deactivating certain. Uh, functions of different defibrillators versus just the um uh like pacemaker settings um and it's not that it's deactivating it altogether but yeah there's uh you can do some interesting things there so can i walk around with the magnet now and start holding it up against people and seeing what happens <laughs> i wouldn't <laughs> it has to be a, a reasonably strong magnet though i could just, I could just see uh on one of the next shows yeah unfortunately nick can't join us today <laughs> he is in the uh local jailhouse <laughs> yeah, awaiting the hearing assaulting people who have leaders and implanted device uh, curiosity got the best of him oh man 
Hey, now, Steph, is this true? I I was listening to um, something on the radio, some program, and they were talking about, um, or they they played an excerpt of an interview with a medical professional, and they were talking about, you know, like I think they were talking about the COVID and the cases spiking and that kind of thing, uh, or maybe the deaths um, picking up a little bit. And this person that they were interviewing said, "Well, every year in June, July, deaths." always pick up a little bit in hospitals. And, um, and, and he said, well, wh- why is that? And he said, that's usually when the people are just coming out of uh, graduating from med school and starting their residencies. And I'm thinking, no <laughs> kidding, really? Is that true? Uh, I, believe that, I believe that myth has been busted. There, oh, it's not uh, true. It's not, well, it is true that um, newly minted interns, residents, even med students generally start July 1st. That's the mm-hmm. The, the typical date. Um, so you might, in, you know, if you're in the hospital at that time, you might get someone who comes in and is like awkward in their introduction or, you know, it has, is, is a little unfamiliar with, um, you know, the, the operations of the particular environment, but they're going to be a competent, qualified person to be there taking care of you, whether that's so, intern, resident, attending. So are we allowed to say, uh, sorry, uh, where's your competent handler? <laughs> or how about well, you we... should always know. You should always know uh, who you're talking to on the team. So, so if we're going to do some elective surgery, probably best not to schedule it for June, July, August. I, I'm going to not throw anyone under the bus and say that <laughs> you are perfectly safe and, and in good hands to be in the hospital any time of the year. I have made a note of it. Yeah. <laughs> not definitely. Don't do the summer. Okay. Well, By thank you, way, Brett. L- Liz has suggested that I could cheat at lawn bowls by walking around with a very strong pair of magnets. <laughs> <laughs> will will that affect the uh, the balls? Not no, the, do you have a lot of do you have a lot of some of the older players? Yeah, well, they all start yeah. twitching. Yeah, <laughs> like, what's going on? And the ones with wooden oh no wooden legs it wouldn't work with wooden legs with it. <laughs> oh, gosh. oh my. God. Um, thank you, Brett Fry, for the uh, feedback. Uh, let's move on uh, to Randy. Uh, good day, APG crew. I really enjoy your podcast. I'm retired from a 30-year career flying for an airline with a base in Denver, Chicago, and San Francisco. Hmm. I think I know what that is. Let's call it Apogee Airlines. Listening to the podcast reminds me of the sessions I'd have with a crew on a slightly too long flight. It's fun to listen. Keep up the good work. Uh, oh, there you go. That's what he does uh, when he's doing the long haul stuff, or he did. Anyway, I sometimes contribute to the Quora boards. Is that the way you pronounce Q U O R A? Sounds uh, like it. Quora? Quora? Quora. I think it's Quora. Quora? 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 Uh, when people like, ask. Yeah. yeah, like a quorum. Exactly. Oh, I know what he's talking about. Yeah, well, there's questions. Yeah, yeah okay. I guess. When, when people ask interesting questions, this one came up a few months ago. So I wrote what I thought was an honest response. It went moderately viral with 50,000 views. Ooh, that's pretty good. Going moderately viral is probably much the same as going bacterial. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Not quite as smelly. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, But you can use antibiotics usually to fight the bacterial, right? Yeah. Uh, Below, you'll find 20 unwritten rules of the cockpit. I'm sure the APG gang can think of a few more. Here's the original question. What are the unwritten rules inside the cockpit of a plane? And he said, I can think of a few. One, <laughs> this is a good one, own your own farts. If you, <laughs> if you fart in the cockpit, 
take ownership and tell the other folks to get on oxygen quickly. There's a checklist for that, I believe. I've seen it around. <laughs> yes, I've seen it too. It takes some time to run through it, though. You should have this committed to memory. Yeah, it, it should be a memory item. Absolutely. Uh, item two, captains should help the co-pilots block the sun in his or her face by putting up a checklist on the windshield so he or she is more comfortable. I do that. Absolutely. If, I, if I'm talking to the co-pilot, look over there, you know, and they're like <laughs> straining because the sun's just you know, like beaming in their face. I always try to move a visor or something to get the sun out of their face. Uh, captains should set a good tone for the co-pilot and the rest of the crew by being approachable and kind. A captain who is a grumpy dictator will make the trip hellish for the rest of the crew. And I'll Absolutely. add, and I'll add that it will make it not very good for him or her either. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, item four. The the, cap- these are really boring captains, these. <laughs> uh, four. The captain gets the first hat clip in the cockpit and the first meal and the first drinks. Non-alcoholic, of course. Okay. Um, well, we didn't do that. We had the first hat clip. But uh, whoever's leg it was got the first meal. Ah. Yeah. Same thing here. Well, you have to kind of adjust these rules accordingly. I usually took my hat and didn't use the clip. I usually just put it off to the side or on top of my suitcase. Didn't you just put your big earmuffs over the top? In, you know? Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Just I, continue I, I just wear phones. the hat all the time. Love I wear it. the hat, yeah. Yeah. yeah World War II part style. of the uniform. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I'm, I'm professional. What can I say? <laughs> Uh, let's see. Six. Uh, nope. Five. 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 The captain's jokes are always funny. Her stories <laughs> are always interesting. Her observations always insightful and her exploits always true. That's good. That's a good role. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, six. Captains have one job in many situations. A captain must choose to take credit or assign blame. Never the other way around. Well, it depends on the outcome, really. So, uh. Yeah, true. Yeah. You take credit when something good happens, and you assign blame when something bad happens. <laughs> exactly. That's my rule. Uh, seven. The temperature in the airplane is the captain's discretion. If she's hot, then the airplane's hot. Okay. Um, <laughs> that sounds a little bit odd, that one. Yeah. I think we're talking temperature. If you've got a hot captain. Tem- temperature. Temperature. Yeah. Uh, no. Oh, that's what, uh, here. Uh, shoot. I haven't played this in a while. So we're talking about um, this COVID-19 stuff going on and taking people's temperatures. And they said, well, if you have a temperature, then we don't want you to report to work. And I said, well, if you don't have a temperature, then there's something wrong with you. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, to say a high temperature or maybe a fever or something like that. Yeah. It always always bugs me when they say, yeah, we're, he had a temperature. Oh, that's good. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. a temperature yeah. it wasn't like absolute zero right i guess you'd have to i guess everybody always has an as to, has a temperature whether you're dead or alive you have a temperature okay now, is is that a temperature in kelvin or um fahrenheit or celsius Which it doesn't matter what to? scale you, you you pick you yeah whichever, whichever one, one you like <laughs> yeah as long as it's in the okay. 98 degree range yeah that's right that sounds a bit hot. <laughs> yeah, not not in Celsius. You don't want a ninety-eight degree. No, temperature you don't want Celsius. Okay. No. Right. Thirty-six. Thirty-six. No. Thirty. Uh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Thirty-six or something like that. That's what I said, but I'm okay. not sure. That's close. I think. Okay. Sounds sounds reasonable. 
Yeah. <laughs> One must obliquely and carefully notify the captain when he or she is totally and completely wrong unless something dangerous is about to happen. Captains have thin skin. Yeah. I wouldn't say that Possibly. that's necessarily. Might. Might have. Yeah, maybe. A, a, a nice first officer is uh, polite about telling the captain they've just screwed up. <laughs> yes, Liz is telling nice. me in my ear that I missed number eight. She is correct. I've noticed that. The captain gets to choose who flies which leg. He or she will usually choose the easy ones. <laughs> uh, except if you're on a, a check ride. Because if I was yeah. on a check ride, I always chose the hard one. Because it's much less likely to fail me. Right. And it gave my first officer the easier leg, which made life just a little easier for them. I, I usually do the opposite of this rule that he has listed here. I, if something looks like it's going to be a challenge, like the crosswinds or you know low ceilings and viz and that kind of thing, I'll try to make it so that I'm the one that flies that one. Yeah, me too. Oh, so, I try and let the first officers do a, a more difficult one if they were keen, because otherwise, mm -hmm. how else do you learn? But if, if it was a check ride and it was an important ride, then not. Yeah. Yeah. You make a good point there, too. Uh, there are five, uh, make, make sure I, yeah. Okay. There are five ways to fly the airplane, the right way, the wrong way, the company way, the FAA way, and the captain's way. Guess which one we'll be doing today. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's very good. Very nice. It's best. I think if the, uh, if they align like this, the right way and the company way, the FAA way, uh, are all the captain's way. Yes. And you got it. Yeah. Right. Uh, 11. Rock, paper, scissors is a legitimate way to solve many disagreements. Okay. Yeah. Is the engine on fire? Okay. I don't know. Okay. One, two, <laughs> three. Shoot. Are you in disagreement about that? <laughs> <laughs> Might be. Might be. Might be. Uh, 12. Don't quote the movie Airplane unless you can do so accurately. Ooh. Oh, that is, tower. That, that's a, that is in the manual, in fact. <laughs> I can attest to that. Okay. Uh, 13. Politics and religion are popular topics for cockpit discussion. Of course, the captain's always right. Um, they might be popular topics for cockpit discussion, but in my cockpit, they don't, they aren't discussed because no, I, I have found that it's so easy to get so wrapped up in it that you forget that you're hurtling through the skies in an airplane. Oh, and the last thing you want to do is actually have a fall, a falling out. Right. That's never good. <laughs> no. Never good either. With someone you guys spend the next like three days with? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah, kind of Working. awkward. 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 Uh, um, 14. Don't talk about the flight attendants in a mean way unless the cockpit door is closed. <laughs> <laughs> and make okay. sure you're not talking into the PA. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Good point. That's a really good one. Uh, remember to erase the voice recorder after every successful flight. You wouldn't want your discussions to fall into the wrong hands, like the IRS. <laughs> hey, tax, tax evasion is a crime, but tax avoidance. By the way, he, I'm sure he's kidding. It's um, tax optimization. Because, uh, yeah, tax op optimization. Uh, <laughs> I think he's being facetious here because I believe that erasing the voice recorder is a, um, is a, you're breaking a law. I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah. for at my airline anyway, that will get you fired. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You want to leave that alone. Yep. Um, yep. 
16. Reading newspapers, books, and magazines in the cockpit is strictly forbidden by company policy. Therefore, only look at the pictures. And you see, that's what I do. Yeah, so, uh, that's why I mentioned that <laughs> earlier. Not, not, not breaking any rules. <laughs> well, it wasn't our company policy. We could, uh, we could read away. Well, ours is um, professional literature may be read. And so, I mean, pretty much any magazine out there is a professional piece of literature. Do they define professional? Yeah. Well, they probably do. <laughs> it's probably not my definition. <laughs> yes, you don't get many amateur public publications nowadays, do you? <laughs> right. My point. Uh, let's see. If you are offered a mint or a piece of gum by another crew member, you should go brush your teeth in the galley. Your breath stinks. <laughs> like getting soap for Christmas. How small are these cockpits? I God, no, we we used to fly. Look at look, I they I can get a hold of me between the captain and the first officer in my picture there. Yeah, look at that. Well, even even worse then. If you're in that size of the <laughs> exactly, <laughs> then you know. Then you know it's really bad. <laughs> yeah. You know. yeah, I suppose. Yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> Refer yeah. to number one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Just a couple more here, and then we'll move on. Uh, Eighteen. It's a good idea to wait until the flight attendants offer you food or drinks. Asking for them disrupts their routines and sometimes pisses them off. Yeah, that's yeah, probably they, good advice. They, they end up steering your coffee with their heel or something. You don't want that. Or maybe <laughs> putting some. No. Like wiping your sausage around the toilet rim. <laughs> yeah. Or visine in your drink. Never yeah. a good thing. Oh, uh, don't even get me started on that. There was a, <laughs> there was a murder case here. <laughs> oh, really? But that, yeah. Well, they put too much visine in the drink? Visine will kill you if you wow, really? consume too much of it. Yeah. What is visine? Oh, it's, it's an eye drop and not a very good ah, one. For like your red like eye. Irritated for red, red eyes. Eye. Yeah. Uh -huh. They don't have that in Blighty? Uh, well, I just... I always heard that eye drops in a drink gave you the trots, but yeah, uh, that's I've what never I actually that. heard of a brand name. Uh, okay. But okay. now I know. If ever I'm flying with that's... Jeff again, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why is he? Why does he have a bottle of Visine in his head? <laughs> <laughs> Not good. Uh, let's see. Nineteen pilots are often wrong, but never in doubt. <laughs> that's an yeah. interesting one. Yeah, that is. Um, Be confident in your mistakes. Yes, exactly. exactly. Conviction. And finally, the last one, 20. The captain gets to be the first person out of the cockpit after landing. Enjoy your flight. <laughs> okay. Well, again, it depends on your airline, I guess. All right. Well, thank you, Randy Duncan in Golden, Colorado. I hope you're enjoying your retirement. And we do appreciate you being part of our community and sending us in this feedback. Very good. And uh, let's see. Finally, um, Let's see. George Nolly. Oops, I just erased. <laughs> I was trying to make it bigger. Uh, and you deleted that's it. That's what she said. And I deleted it. <laughs> Here we go. I'm I got it back. That. I was about to. Uh, now I can, it's back. I just command Z and I got it back. Uh, tell Captain Nick the correct answer on the test is, oh, this is for the drone license test. Okay. This is from George Nolly. E. Provide the GPS location of the naked lady to all your friends. Oh, remember <laughs> that was the question that you missed. Yeah, that was that was the one. Yeah, yes. last I heard, she's in New Orleans. So, <laughs> who knows where she is now? Luckily, there's more than one. <laughs> Stay safe, George. Uh, that's very funny, George. Thanks, George. Yes, ready for takeoff podcast. All right. Well, I think that um, are we. 
Okay. I just got word uh, via my in-ear monitor that we're within five minutes of three hours, so it's perfect. Let's uh, point everybody over toward the uh, – well, first of all, let's talk about feedback. If you want to send us feedback, send it to feedback at airlinepilotguy.com. If you have a recorder on your uh, tablet or telephone device, uh, you can record something if you'd like and then attach it to the email. Or you can use uh, SpeakPipe, which is available by going over to our website and the Contact Us page. And uh, you can leave us audio feedback that way as well. And the website, AirlinePilotGuy.com, has all kinds of great stuff on it, information about the crew, the community, um, plane tales, a lot of uh, extra stuff that uh, Nick puts in there uh, to complement his already wonderful plane tales installments. And uh, we have the ABG library for those of you who like to read our librarian, Tiffany. Is, you know, uh, we should start getting an APG film brew as well. Can we just put that in the library? Well, um, I, I hear you volunteering for. I know. I was going to say you want no, that. No, I think I've got enough on my plate. Thank you very much. But there must be somebody out there. A movie yeah. buff. Yeah, it might be a yeah. good idea. Um, there's a picture of our site. It's an older, older snapshot or uh, not a screenshot, I should say. Yeah, there's a lot of snow around. Um, that's the, that's not snow. That's those are clouds. <laughs> oh, I know. It's been a while since was, you've been in there. It was about, about time to de-ice the runway. <laughs> well, the runway, yeah, it does kind of look. Um, yeah. Oh, well, um, that's my fault. Yeah. Uh, we got the APG on YouTube. Many of you watching the YouTube right now are probably got there from, uh, got here from there. Uh, let's see. That's so small. It's hard, it's hard for me to read. Um, yeah, more stuff there on the, uh, on the website. Check it out. Airlinepilotguy.com. And, um, I think I also, uh, Ended up uh, registering a couple other, um, um, what do you call them, domains. You can get to the airlinepilotguy.com, airlinepilotguy.com by going to the I, what are we saying here? Okay, sorry, I'm being distracted. Um, by going to theapg.show. So that's theapg.show if you don't want to punch in all those airline pilot guy letters. And uh, so anyway, check it out. And we're also on social media. Help me. Help me. We Scott. are. I was going to jump in there and I was like, nah, just going to let him keep like me just... for a while. Clown around for a bit. He, see what he's, he's, see where he's, he's like going a, with this. He's like but, a jeep on the lake. Yeah. Just, well, that sunk a lot quicker, to be honest. Oh, man. <laughs> Well, anyway, thanks for letting me flounder, find... everybody. <laughs> yeah. You can find us on Twitter.com. Okay? <laughs> we are at APG Crew there. We're also at APG Crew on Instagram. And you can head over to Facebook, facebook.com slash airline pilot guy. All three places are a good way to interact with us. Find out about when we're going to be recording the show live, if we make any last-minute changes, because our schedules are crazy sometimes. And we hope to see you there. I'll toss it over to... Is Hello around today? Jeff? I don't know. Let me uh, let me see if I can turn up the pot there on the uh, hidden microphone in the, in the bathroom. Why did you put the hide Soggy. Hello. Slack salesman. Hello. It's time for, time for Slack, man. APG listeners, please join us on our Slack team. Slack is a communication, coordination, and sharing platform that works on your mobile, laptop, or browser. On Slack, we share news and ideas. We suggest episode and plain tales topics. We plan events and meetups. 
To get into the Slack team, please email me at slack at airlinepilotguy.com. That's S-L-A-C-K, Sierra Lima Alpha Charlie Kilo at airlinepilotguy.com. Or send me a tweet with your preferred email address to at Hillel, and I'll send you an invitation. That's Hillel, spelled Hotel India 11 Echo 1, and see you in Slack. Thank you, Hillel. Now, back to where you belong, you soggy Slack salesperson you ah oh yeah delta p (laughs) (laughs) always enjoy hearing from hello and uh let's see also finally we'd like to uh thank you very much liz our uh, producer director in our control room in toronto ontario canada Thank you. Good and job uh, with the paper. Thank you. Yes. And uh, happy belated Canada Day uh, for for you on July 1st. And happy Independence Day to everyone out there listening here in the United States of America. Traitors, traitors, you horrible traitors. I'll have to eliminate that. And until <laughs> next time, wishing you clear skies, unlimited visibility, and tailwinds. Take care and God bless. Be safe. Cheers, y'all. See y'all next week. Bye, free traitor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's up in the sky. It's the airline pilot guy. Good day. a good good pilot till I started APG I opened doors for little old ladies I helped them to their seats airline pilot guy I fly America oh airline pilot guy he can't land in heavy fall I got no friends cause I'm always flying I just don't have the time But I can land this old plane I can land it just fine Airline